Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Hello, welcome everyone to the spotlight here on Fightful.com. I'm Jeremy Lambert, joined as always by currently a safe and sound Steven Jensen. It's very possible that your roof caves in in the middle of the show, Jensen. Yeah, I was right before we went live. I was like, let's just not talk about my roof or my ceiling. But uh, but yeah, Jeremy's gonna leave the show off with it. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> no, I just had some unfortunate luck where just we we had a lot of rain the other day, and my ceiling is leaking. So uh, it's been two days now that the guy hasn't shown up to fix it. Um, really not that big of a deal. I mean, it is a big deal, like because you know it has to get fixed. But like, luckily the weather's been good, and it's not supposed to rain the next few days. But like. Yeah, so I'm doing the this show from my uh, a different room just so I can kind of keep an eye on it just in case. But yeah, outside of that, man, everything else is good. I'll I'll, I'll definitely let y'all know if there's an emergency that I have to take care of, but I, we should be good. So how are you doing, I, man? I'm good. Yeah, I do this show from a different room every single week. I feel like when, when we so we spoke to JD Newman, the new uh, sub Bone Storm champion. Uh, he's going to be in our creator spotlight a little bit later on, and I'm in a different room there. So. I got, you know, I got various settings as well, Jensen. We, we always, we move around here on the spotlight offices. Very true. Very, very fluid show that we do here. So yes. we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, a tremendous show. Our biggest lineup of all time. Major announcements. What else can we, can we plug? A lot of news coming out of the show. Uh, as mentioned, we do have J.D. Newman in our creator spotlight a little bit later on. That, that was Jensen's indie spotlight. Uh, we will talk about that, him winning the Bone Storm Championship. Then you hear from Jaden, get his thoughts on, on winning that title and a lot more. Another another fun interview. We got a pretty much a closing interview segment now, Jensen, that I'm, I'm really happy with that uh, yes. our guests seem to enjoy the past couple of weeks. That um, happened completely organically, too. Like, yes. we didn't, like it just started happening and it just kind of became a thing, which is, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's pretty cool that it's already evolving all of this so it's it's uh gabe sapolsky is going to be on the show pretty soon to talk <laughs> about evolve i would imagine um i don't know what else he's doing so might as well just join us and hang out with us dorks for a couple hours oh uh, we got AEW, we got wwe we have gcw we have impact a lot to talk about let's get into it jensen uh let's start with aew as they're coming off revolution and dynamite last night uh with which had a bunch of news attached to it. But my AW spotlight for this week, we're going to work our way backwards here. My AW spotlight is Jeffrey Hardy making his AEW debut last night. Wasn't the best kept secret in the world. Everyone pretty much kind of knew once he was free and clear from the 90 days, he was going to be joining AEW. He joined AEW. Um, Matt got turned on by private party and he got attacked. Darby and Sting initially made the save, but the Hardy family offices and Andrade continued to attack him. 
And then the familiar Jeff Hardy theme, the Hardy Boys theme hits. And instead of, you know, yes, running down. <laughs> instead of, you know, immediately just going to save his brother, Jeff's like, I got to get my shit in, brother. Like, there we go. Let me do my dance. I cackled so hard when he just decided to dance <laughs> over. First off, he was way late. It's like, yeah, let me let Sting and Darby make the save first. And then he finally comes down. To make his save, but yeah, beforehand he's got to he's got to he's got to do his dance there, Jensen. Had to get his shit in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because part of me, like, okay, logically speaking, right, it makes no sense for him to stop and do all that, right? Like to like to like play to the crowd before yeah. he like goes on stage, right? <laughs> but I also feel like if he didn't do it, we would have been a little disappointed because like when you hear that music, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it afterwards. Like the music still. was gonna play again. <laughs> But you know the whole crowd's doing it. But I know, trust me. Like I, I, I immediately thought it looked strange, just like everybody else did. Like when he came out and like instead of just like running straight to the ring, he's looking up. And like the funny thing is, he tried to get it in so fast. So like he's like he's like shuffling sideways and like hitting it real quick, just because like he wants to get it in, but also he's concerned about Matt getting his ass kicked. So he's got to get in there to save him at the same time. But uh, no, I just I just thought it was funny. Like it was harmless. Like just it was just it was just funny how it kind of happened it's major wwe brain i don't blame jeff for this sean tweeted like you got effing stop stockholm syndrome b like it's it's major wwe brain when the the old joke is like when rhea ripley was coming down to make a save the, the one time in nxt she had to do her like stomp entrance i can't like she did that whole big ordeal it's like you're making a save you don't have to do your big theatric entrance the miz always gets knocked for this like oh it's a serious match we need when bray wyatt's break into his house and shit like oh serious miz he's gonna really show some fire it's like he just does his little spin and point entrance and like you know show so show something different during this don't just do your choreographed entrance like don't, that's that's what this was <laughs> to me it, it legitimately was the stockholm syndrome joke that the young bucks made on being the elite and that like Jeff is just so used to, Oh, there's my music. Let me, let me do my dance that like, he just had to do that no matter what. Uh, hopefully he, he realizes like, yeah, I don't have to do this all the time. I can do this afterwards and it'll be okay. <laughs> you know who else needs to take that lesson is Pentagon because there's far too many times where that dude is like in an offensive position and like, he's got, he's got the match where he wants it. And he just got to whip out the Sarah. and like as he's doing it he gets reversed it happens like over and over and over again um so yeah i uh i but that was just something that just popped in my mind when you kind of brought that up but uh but yeah it was funny watching the internet's response to the jeff hardy stuff as well like everybody was everyone was talking about it i saw like denise marking out for it and stuff so like um and i and you know i was there at wrestlemania 33 when the hardys returned in orlando to the wwe and that was a big part of that moment, right? Like the new day up on the ramp with them and they're all doing it together and everyone's just going crazy. But then again, you know, they weren't like, that wasn't a time sensitive thing. That was just like their entrance coming out and everyone did it. It was funny that Jeff's like, like I said, he was, he was doing the, ta- he was doing like the move, but like clearly like trying to get to the ring way faster than normal <laughs> while he was doing it. So it was just kind of funny how it all just kind of, but then again, but all that said, it is really cool to see Jeff Hardy in AEW. Like I'm, I'm all for him being in the company. So like, you know, it, 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 and we all saw it coming, right? Like we knew you know, like Matt's getting beat up in the ring. He's outnumbered. And then it's like, well, maybe the hold off because, you know, Sting and Darby can, can fight them off. But now they're outnumbered too. And it's like, 
it's got to be Jeff. And the fans are saying, Jeff, 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 Jeff. And so we got what we wanted again with AEW. So I thought that was great. Yeah, it, it was again, the worst kept secret. Everyone knew <laughs> it was going to happen. I think the only person who was uh, maybe slightly, not confused, but weary of, of Jeff Hardy being there was Sting. Sting looked like the last time I saw you, we had uh, some issues in the ring. Like everything, everything good with you? right now uh jeff Jeff is fine everything seems good but that was obviously a low point in both men's career for for sting and jeff hardy so i can understand him being a little tense with that um as far as jeff and matt go it looks like they're going to team i I would imagine i don't think so just my opinion on this i don't think they're going to go anywhere beyond teaming i know jeff is a major single star like that man has has charisma for days he's going to continue to be over long before uh he retires or long after he retires i don't think we're going to see any like type of major singles (coughs) jeff hardy run unless something unless matt gets hurt or anything like that it feels like their ceiling is just kind of tag team maybe they win the tag team titles as a feel-good moment where do you see Jeff, like what his ceiling and role and position is in AEW? So I'm with you with the Hardys. I think I think they'll have some dream matches and then they can always go back to that when they want to, right? So like, you know, they can always, unlike some other companies, you know, it's possible to have like alliances with people, but not turn on them, you know? So like the Hardys can do their own thing, but also be a team while they're also doing stuff in single competition. So like, I do think that Jeff is going to be in the short term, I would say quote unquote more valuable in the tag team with Matt, because like people are clamoring for like the Hardys and the young bucks and the Hardys and maybe like sting and Darby. And and there are all these Hardy matches we're thinking about, but then yeah, Jeff Hardy versus Darby Allen in a singles match. That's like, I I tweeted this as well. Like the, the obvious thing is right there too. And you kind of touched on it as well a second ago, but I, I really want a sting versus, um jeff hardy like redemption match like you know and they like yeah. they because because dude i bought that pay-per-view all those years ago like 10 years <laughs> oh, ago i remember sorry. buying that pay-per-view I, I lived by myself i had just moved to nashville tennessee i didn't have like any friends and i was like just lonely and steven jensen impact. was looking for steven jensen was looking for sting versus jeff hardy to comfort him yes. in his new city <laughs> exactly and so like and this is like 10 years ago already which is crazy but like i remember sitting there watching it off of my laptop because i didn't even have a way at the time to like like have it on my tv so like i remember sitting there and i'm like waiting for the match and then like i'll never forget what actually happened and ever since then it's kind of been like you know and you can also tell that story, I think, in AEW. Like, if like if, if Hardy's okay with, like, the way it's told, like, it would be a pretty cool kind of story to tell, like, heading into a rematch like that, where they can go into the history of, like... And they also, you know, they have the relationship with Impact, and they could probably show footage of it and stuff, too, and be, like, as, like, an actual real, like, story of someone turning their life around and, like, seeing where Jeff's at now. And, like, now we can, now we can finally have that dream match that we didn't get 10 years ago that everyone you know, kind of looks back and makes fun of and, and feels really bad, you know, for Jeff and, and seeing everyone involved. It was just a terrible situation all the way around. So like, so yeah, I really want Sting versus Jeff. I really want uh, Jeff versus Darby. Those are like the two, the two biggest ones off the top of my head. He has history with CM Punk. That could get interesting. Um, he has history with Christian. He got history with a lot of people in the company. Um and, and he is a big enough star still, for sure, in my opinion, that, like, he he doesn't, like, he, 
he fits in like the main event AEW scene already, no matter what, kind of in my opinion, because of the level he is in the respect he has, like amongst his peers, like in the ring and everything. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think Jeff is a singles guy. Like that that ultimately will be like the biggest, you know, the most money that he like he makes for them, I think, is gonna be the singles guy. But we'll get a lot of hardy boys, hardy boy stuff as well. I, I think he'll mainly be utilized as a tag team. They they will certainly like do some single stuff with him. I Matt mentioned that like his his ideal trios team is Jeff and Darby, and yeah. I mean, they're already aligned after after last night. So I imagine we'll get some six mans uh, with those three as well. I do think so. On on the subject of Sting and Jeff, I'm not building a pay per view around this match or anything like that. I do think if you sell it as like a redemption match and it's just two baby faces and it's like, Hey, this happened. This is a shitty period in my life. We know Jeff is like comfortable with this kind of stuff because he was comfortable doing a lot of dumb shit in WWE that would touch on, on this stuff um, and, and went forward with it. And if you sell it as a redemption thing of like, we're going to go out there and we're going to improve. Like, even if it's, you know, a decade later, we can still, we can have a good match and, we don't want this to be the lasting memory when people think of, of Sting and Jeff Hardy in the ring together. I'm okay with that. I don't need them like beating me over the head and doing like any type of long-term story that is just dragged out for weeks. And like one guy trying to play babyface, one guy trying to play heel, like Sting, like calling him like a, a screw up and like you fuck this up and that up. I don't need any of that. Just do it as like, Hey, you know, it was a bad time. A lot of regrets. Let's redeem ourselves. Let's go out and do this. Cool. Tell that story for a week. Do the match. Move on. No, I don't need any of this heel turn stuff, JJ. I don't. I don't need any of that. But <clears> I'm, <throat> I'm cool with doing a, a redemption story with those two. I don't know how much Jeff is going to be utilized as like a singles run kind of guy because I do think with him coming in, it's going to be very similar to a lot of the other uh, legends that they have in that he's going to be helping the young guys more than anything. I don't think they're going to play too much off of like. Jericho has said it many times. Christian has said it like, we don't need to do like Christian and Matt Hardy, Jericho and Matt Hardy, Jericho and Christian, because we've seen all those matches. Like you want to build to the future and everything. So I think you'll see Jeff against, um, you know, against like private party. We're going to see the Hardy boys in private party at some point. We, we might see Jeff and Andrade. Uh, we're going to see Jeff probably against a guy, some, somebody like Daniel Garcia at some point. Like I think we're going to see him more against the younger guys than kind of rehashing a lot of a lot of historical stuff. Yeah, no, I I agree with that as well. Like I think we're going to get a mix of all of these things. And I could I should probably rephrase something I said it before, but I really mean by Jeff as like a singles guy is like the ceiling is really high for him to do a lot of stuff in singles whereas like that singling doesn't really exist for Matt unfortunately. Like Matt like, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like you can't have Matt in a lot of the same spots that I feel like you could have Jeff in as a singles guy with a lot of these big matches that we're talking about. Um I also think it'd be cool to see Sting and Jeff team together, like just to see it like Sting because Sting's like Jeff's you know like favorite wrestler growing up and stuff and he does the paint. It'd be cool to see Jeff in Sting face paint next to him. That'd be pretty cool. Um, even if he did a trio with the, him and Darby and Sting would be really cool too. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's just a lot of possibilities with Jeff Hardy. And and for someone like him, it's just extra cool because you have all these possibilities that we're talking about in singles competition and in tag team competition and potentially trios. Like there's just a lot you can do with him there. So uh, so yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm happy. He, he looks healthy. You know what I mean? When you see him out there, I mean, he looks healthy. So I'm, um, I'm happy with what I'm seeing. 
Jensen, your connection is going to hell. I have no idea what's happening. You look like you've you, the roof has collapsed and you're underwater right now. Let, let me see if I can plug in a uh, something else real quick. I'll okay. be back in one second. I'm going to read this super chat from, from Kurt Benoit who says, would love a heel Jeff to win the TNT title and his first defense is against Sting and the main event of winter is coming this year. I I could see Jeff potentially getting a run with the uh, TNT. I'm going to mute Jensen while he clangs around. Uh, I can see him getting a TNT title run at some point. It would have to probably be sooner rather than later. I don't know how long Jeff has left. I'm sure he's got a few more years in him. Uh, I could see them going that route. I don't think his ceiling as a singles guy is much higher, largely because of just the roster they have. I mean, Jeff Hardy in WWE is world champion. Yeah, that makes sense because they they like re- relying on that kind of stuff, and they haven't built any new stars in the last 20 years, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But Jeff Hardy in AEW, that, that ceiling is lowered as far as potential world title run because they just don't need him to be the the world champion. All right, it looks much better. I will say that. I, I have you muted, Jensen. Uh it does it looks better if you can hear it's getting better. I I yeah. I have a different setup in here with it being another room because of my ceiling. Um but I I'm hardwired into something different now. So I'm hoping I'm hoping that helped. It helped a little bit. I you, you feel like you're in a robo throughout this thing. Oh boy to call in Joel Pearl to to do the show. I don't want to do that. I never want to do a show with Joel Pearl. Um, but, but yeah, Jeff, as far as the, the world, world title, I don't see that as his ceiling in AEW. If they do it, I feel like it, it would be a mistake. I'm excited to see Jeff in AEW though. He looks happy. He looks healthy. I know teaming with Matt is always a good, a good thing for him. So they'll have some fun matches though. People will love when they work the young bucks, they'll work private party. It'll be great. There's, Look, there's no shortage of tag teams for for Jeff to work, uh, for the Hardys to work. So I know they're excited to work a lot of those guys. It's a better utilization of Matt as well because the the Hardy family office stuff it wasn't always clicking for me. Matt is, and I like Matt as a, as a person and as a performer. Uh, I didn't need him wrestling on every single pay per view uh, in the capacity uh, that he would wrestle. Oftentimes, just didn't need it. And, and now as a tag team, it'll make more sense for him to be in some of these matches. So I, I think it'll be a good for Matt as well, as far as better utilization for him. Yes. Can you still see and hear me okay right now? I mean, I can't see you okay. Uh, very That's blurry. So I have no idea. Like, because this is the same connection I use in my, in my office right now. So I do not know why. I'm the sorry. audio, no the audio isn't bad. Like the audio is, is fine. So like that'll be okay. Uh, the the video is just a little little blurry. Yeah, and Joel, I just got your DM. Yeah, I actually just made that switch a few minutes ago from my Wi-Fi to my Ethernet, so I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, sorry, guys. I apologize. I have no idea what's happening. Tech issues very on brand for just about anything I do, so it makes sense. Honestly, it makes sense. Um, Jensen, your AEW spotlight for this week. My AEW spotlight this week is CM Punk's entrance at the pay-per-view at Revolution. There has been a lot of talk about this, and um, I personally loved it because, you know, I was a fan of Ring of Honor back. Like, I, I understood the reference, um, but I, I I get there's been this whole debate about, like, fans not, you know, 
understanding it or getting mad because they didn't get it or getting mad because other people didn't get it. So I just wanted to get your opinion on like kind of the whole thing with, uh, with CM Punk in the entrance. Cause I, I love, I love the entrance. I love the throwback. I love the, the throwback gear, the, the, the music, the whole deal, the whole vibe, the, everything about it, I thought was great. But uh, I want your opinion on kind of how you felt about it and kind of the, the, the conversation online about it. First off, you, as, as Joel says, you seem to be stabilizing. The, the okay, video is good. I, the audio okay, is good. good. I, it, it must have taken a second to like recognize that I had switched <laughs> over to the... Um, what's crazy is I use the other connection when I do fight nights. Mm-hmm. So like it's never been a problem before, which is crazy with like five or six people on here with me sometimes. But uh, we should be good to go. I apologize, y'all. I, I, think, I think we're good now. So Apologize. Cool. <laughs> retribution is attacking Jensen's equipment. <laughs> Could be. I don't know what they're up to nowadays. So they they need something, somebody new to attack. So it could be you, Jensen. Jensen doesn't understand a retribution reference. He doesn't. No, I get it. I get it. I I remember. I I know who T Bar is. Come on, dude. I I used to drive. I I one time drove five hours to watch DiJack versus Marafuji, and like now DiJack is just. I saw him Not the other TV. week on Raw because I watched uh, uh, for a couple weeks to see if Cody was going to show up. And he came out. And I think Omos just like destroyed him. Like, go yeah. fast. And I was like, damn, too bad for Die Jack. That's a bummer. Uh, but, Punk's, uh, Punk's entrance. I, I don't want to say I, I saw it coming because a, a week before, two weeks or days before, I didn't see it coming. When MJF pulled off the cult of personality hits. And then his music and then MJF music hit and then MJF comes out. I told the EP, I was like, oh, Punk's going to come out to AFI. Because I didn't think they were going to play Cult of Personality again after right. playing it once. I was like, oh, Punk's going to come out to AFI. And she's like, I don't know what that means. And then he does. And I'm explaining to her like why this why this is a thing and everything. And she loved the song. So she was just like, sure, whatever. I just really like this song. And I like AFI. But I explained it to her. So here's, here's kind of my take. One, as somebody who followed the history, knows the history uh, of CM Punk, I thought it was great. Uh, I, I absolutely love that he he wore the the gym shorts, the jacket, came out to AFI. He's a coward because he didn't use just for men uh, to grow his hair out or, or dye it blonde or anything like that for, from Wednesday to Sunday. Tony Khan, also a coward for having CM Punk win. Uh, but I love the, the throwback entrance. I don't get that, like, oh, people don't get it. And, you know, they, they're appealing to just this, this certain level of fan and stuff like that. Did it take away from any from anyone's enjoyment? Like, if if you're a casual fan watching this and you didn't understand the reference, is it like, oh, this just ruined the whole feud for me? This just ruined the whole match for me? Like, it, it's just over. Like, I hate everything about this feud in this match because I don't understand why CM Punk is coming out to this theme. If if so, Jensen, I know you're not the right person to ask about this because you understood all of this stuff. But uh, again, going back back to the EP, she didn't get any of this stuff i explained it to her and she's like oh okay that's cool and she's like well now i hope punk really kicks his ass and everything like that was it that we that was the conversation we had around it uh there was no like oh well i hate everything about this now because i don't understand this reference i think it's a dumb argument to have i think people were just like looking for something to put out there and like it got the reaction that 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 it wanted from the hardcore fans because everyone loved it and the people who were looking for something to be mad about they got their reaction as well because they were mad about something stupid and we all talked about it for way more than we needed to yeah yeah and i also think you know this is just me it's just a thought you know i think when it comes to cm punk that also added to this and i the reason being 
I think a lot of wrestling fans like associate their fandom with being a CM Punk fan. Like a lot of them, you know, like he's the one that like kept them into wrestling in like the early, the early 2010s. Um, a lot of people identify with him as like being like a straight edge, you know, person like he is. And um, I feel like a lot of people like they, they're just really, really heavily invested in like being a CM Punk fan. And I think some of those people like they didn't get the reference and it made them feel foolish almost like I don't how do I not get this I'm a big CM Punk fan I don't get this and then you see people I won't name names but I saw some people that are like that are like involved in like some Damn. major websites call oh yeah yeah they, that that didn't get the ink it. So, on wrestling right so like so you know and they you know and I'm not saying that that it doesn't like ruin your overall credibility as like someone who talks about wrestling or has an opinion on wrestling it isn't anything like that but it is something where when you're talking about certain things that have to do with wrestling, if when you know, like, oh, they didn't know that, like they might not know what they're talking about when it comes to this, you know, but that's not, that's not across the board. And it's also one of those things too, where just because you're a fan of pro wrestling doesn't mean you need to know every single thing about pro wrestling. Like that's, you know what I mean? Like there's no shame in it, but it is just one of those things where I did see some people kind of got caught with their, their pants down, you know, uh, when, it, when they didn't get it. So. It was the same thing when when Eddie paid tribute uh, with the with the singlet and the the green gear against Moxley. Like, if you don't get it, that that that's fine. Like, it, okay, if you don't get it, then then you don't get it. It was it was Masawa, right? That that he paid tribute to with that gear. Yeah. Um, and, and I apologize if I'm wrong on that. I'm sure the chat will, will fill me in. I my memory is god awful. Um. But like, if you don't get it, that, that's okay. Like people are saying, Google or just check your Twitter feed, and I'm sure somebody you follow has probably referenced it. Don't be an idiot about it and just like put it out there and be like, "This is dumb. I don't get it." And like, just you don't have to comment. You don't have to comment on all of this stuff. You you just you don't have to call, comment on it. If you don't get it, ask somebody. Ask somebody politely. Just be like, hey why is this a big deal? Like, I, I don't understand this. Can somebody fill me in? And, and somebody hopefully will be kind enough to fill you in as, you know, fill, fill you in nicely. And they won't be a dick about it when they're trying to fill you in either. But like, yeah, don't be like, this is stupid. Like it just ruined everything because some of that stuff, it's not for you. All right. But again, exactly. it, I don't understand how it ruins anything. I, I just don't understand how it, like it didn't take away from the feud. It didn't take away from the match. Either you got the reference, and for people like us, it enhanced everything. Because like, oh shit, it he's calling back to this stuff. And I tweeted it. And it was like, if you're mad about CM Punk using the throwback gear at Revolution and the throwback song at Revolution, wait till I tell you about this entire feud, which had references all throughout CM Punk's ROH career and even some WWE references. MJF was mentioning WrestleMania and Punk was referencing uh, his WWE time. MJF was referencing his WWE time. Like they were digging into a lot of history and a lot of Easter eggs with the references they had during this feud. So if you were mad about this stuff, then there you're going to be mad about a lot of stuff when I explain this feud to you and break down this feud to you because it was nothing but historical references and Easter eggs. Yeah, which once again, shouldn't take anything away from anybody who was watching it in real time without knowledge of the past, but it just enhanced it to the next level for people like us. Like it, it feels rewarding as a wrestling fan who, who is as invested as we are for as long as we have been, that there's a company that is actually making callbacks to stuff we were fans of two and three decades ago when like we saw it as kids and we're like, Oh my God, like they were actually 
Like it, it just, it's, I think it's awesome when they do stuff like that. Um, also, I thought that, uh, um, like to me, when I saw CM Punk come out to that music and looking the way he did with that gear on and everything, and like just the look in his eyes, like he was almost like crying, like walking to the ring. And he had like the three X's on his, on, you know, the back of his jacket and like the crowd, CM Punk, CM Punk, and no, and no Titan Tron or whatever you call it, the, the big screen. No, it's just all black and just some smoke. And that felt like, see, I, I talked about this with Doug last night. It felt like CM Punk's soul returned. It was back. It's like, or it had never left, but like we were seeing it again. It was like, I've given the guy a lot of shit for his UFC run, right? Like, then that's mainly because, you know, in the MMA bubble, he didn't have a good run there. That's a different world. Yeah, but like, he, he did, right? But, but since he's come back to AEW, and especially since this feud and this match with MJF, like you'll never hear me say another bad thing about CM Punk, especially when it comes to like it's just I I appreciate what this guy's doing right now. That CM Punk and MJF dude, that 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 is top tier professional wrestling in my opinion. Like it's yeah. it's hard to do something that good. Um, that that long feud and the build up and the first match with MJF winning twice and CM Punk getting the big win in the dog collar match, Wardlow's turn, everyone went nuts for that. Like I mean, that. Like, I got to give CM Punk, and MJF as well, but, like, since we're talking about CM Punk more specifically, I got to give him massive, massive credit for what he's done uh, since coming back to AEW, especially what I saw um, this past Saturday night at Revolution. I thought that was incredible stuff. Uh, he's definitely revitalized when it comes to AEW. I've loved just about everything he's done in AEW, honestly. Like, there was a slow burn where I just wanted to have, like, matches and stuff, and I know people were upset about that. And I was kind of one of them. I was like, all right. It wasn't that I was upset that he was just having matches. I was like, let's get into some meat of CM Punk here. Because we know this man is a tremendous storyteller. Like, cool, he's going out, happy-go-lucky Punk, having matches. That's fine. Let me get to some stories with CM Punk. And and we started to see that with Kingston. We really saw it with MJF. And yeah, like, this one and and Hangman Omega are the two best stories that that they've done. I still think Tony Khan is a coward, and MJF should have won. But MJ or CM Punk, you can tell the passion has returned as a uh, grab Sody's own, Fightful's own, Righteous Reg, number one media personality in all of wrestling media, made CM Punk. Uh, he, he's got to send me the royalties for that. My check should be in the mail. Uh, he's, he, he made CM Punk cry for this question. So yeah. he, the man is passionate. He loves this shit. And like, it's a, it's a cool thing. Uh, Re- Reggie here says, it's like when Marvel has an Easter egg in a movie, I'm a hardcore comics nerd, but sometimes I miss it too. Does not take away anything. Like I watch some of the Marvel stuff. I can't say I watch all of it. Um, like I don't get all of these references that they do, but the movies are still really enjoyable to me. And then if I watch it with somebody who does get a reference, they're like, oh, there's this, there's this. And it just enhances the film for them because the hardcore fans love, like, like you said, they love that their their uh intelligence is not being insulted like they love that they're they're getting these little things of like oh man that's cool like they remember this or they're paying tribute to this or they're honoring this like that's really cool and to me because it is an easter egg and it's not something that is the defying point of the story it's like hey it doesn't take anything away from what these people are actually doing from what the overall theme of the story is there was a lot of history in the overall part of this story. Even if you didn't know any of the little Easter eggs, they gave you enough context, especially with like MJF's promos and Punk's promos. They gave you enough context to be like, oh, 
even if you never, if you don't know these two men and you just started following them since their AEW time, they explained enough that they need to explain to where you were invested in the story. So I don't know why people were mad about it, except that it's Twitter and it's the internet and people just want to be mad about shit, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, that's that's very fair. Because I, I was just it was just very uh bizarre when I logged in on Twitter the next time, like just to, to like after the show to see like it's like there's people that are mad that they didn't get it. There's people mad that other people didn't get it. There's mad that people didn't get it that should have known to get it. There's people that were mad. Like it was like it was just all over the place. And I, I'm just sitting here going, like, I don't care about any of this. Like, this, like that was incredible. I've rewatched that entrance like ten times since it happened. Like, like it doesn't take anything away from me as a fan. Like, you know, enjoy. And, and once again, it enhanced it for me. And this this is across multiple mediums of, of entertainment. You just talked about it with the Marvel the Marvel type stuff with the super chat with Reggie and you know, like kind of a good example. I just watched the, uh, the Joe versus Carol show, the tiger King show on. Oh yeah. And if you had never seen the documentary, which I've seen the documentary multiple times, but like, if you'd never seen the documentary, you're watching that and you're probably going like, this is the craziest story I've ever heard. There's no way this is true. Like this, like this guy's a, this guy's gotta be a made up character and blah, 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 blah. And all these different people and all these little side characters they had in this, in this world. But like, because I had seen the documentary before I watched this show, it was almost like an Easter egg that rewarded me for like being a fan of it for years because you're watching it. And like, you know who these people are before you see them and they're adding little things to where you're like, so it's just, it's just one of those, it's just, it's all across all entertainment. Just wrestling fans getting very, very, very married to the. We're we're all guilty of it. All right, Not almost almost every wrestling fan thinks that they know the most about wrestling. Almost every wrestling fan, like they feel like the their their favorite wrestlers should be the wrestlers that are getting the big pushes and like the matches they want to see and this and that. Because as wrestling fan and in wrestling, it's one of the few forms of entertainment that that fans feel like they can actually make a difference of what they're seeing on the screen. In most forms of entertainment, when it's movies and TV shows and stuff, they're just going to give you what they give you and, like, just see what the reaction is. But, like, it's not going to really change much. Like, the director's going to do what they do. In wrestling, I think fans have this idea, which isn't completely untrue, but, like, that their voice is being heard and that they matter to, like, this other – to a different type of degree to, like, the show that they're watching. So when things don't go how they expect it or they're realizing that they might not know everything they think they know about this, they just get really, really, really upset about it. And it's unfortunate. It was really weird seeing everybody get so so angry on online. And by the way, I didn't want to talk about this today, but I felt like I had to bring it up on this show because everybody else was talking about it. So like, I felt like I wanted your opinion because I know we're kind of on the same. We've been watching wrestling for the same amount of time. You know, we're, we're, we both got it. So I wanted to kind of hear your opinion on it. So, and I think most of the chat seems to agree with us from what I'm seeing in the comments. So. My opinion is the same as uh, Matt Jackson in that wrestling, all wrestling fans suck and all of wrestling sucks. I'm pretty sure those were the exact words of Matt Jackson. Nobody take that out of context. Uh, Aiden, uh, not a super chat, but I feel it's such such an important question <laughs> that it, it must be asked. Listen to why has Steven Jensen seen Tiger King multiple times? Because it it's fascinating. I mean, it, it, I haven't watched it in quite a while, but that was one thing when like the pandemic started that like, yeah, it was like you know, like the world stopped, and we all had one thing. But multiple times, like I've watched it once. I couldn't watch the the second season. Like I watched like twenty minutes 
of the second season. And maybe because I, I watched it uh, in a different state of mind and I just couldn't like get into <laughs> it. But like, I just could not get into the second season. The second season, I can't even remember what all happened in the second season. That, that got a little bit deeper into like Carol's uh, stuff with her husband, Don, and all that. Is my connection still okay, by the way? It's in and out. It's in and out. I'm sorry. I've done everything I can. It, it must be. It has to be my actual internet provider right now. Like, I, I, there's just nothing I can do about it. Um, I'm sorry, but, um, but yeah, that's all, dude. It is a fascinating story with all these just crazy characters. Um, so I like rewatching stuff that I like because I feel like that's like Breaking Bad. I've watched multiple times because like there's yeah. just so much stuff that like I know that I missed the first time. So like that was kind of the thing with the Tiger King. I mean, Not, you don't even really need to talk about the Tiger King. I don't know why we. <laughs> Well, yeah, you mentioned Tiger King. You're watching up. Joe versus. Hey, you're watching Joe versus Carol. I saw the ads for that, and I'm like, why are they making a TV show about the document? Like, what more stories can they tell here? Is it good? I actually want to like maybe check this show out. Like, should I it's, watch this? It's uh, it's interesting. It, it it goes it goes deeper into the backstories of like what made these people the way that they were in the documentary but it's also impossible to know how accurate it is you know what i mean because like right. it's because because some of the stuff is like very dramatic you know um but i don't know well, it's i i i'll say how do i say this a lot of it had to do with like joe exotic like just him like discovering he's gay and like all these like relationships he had with like all these guys and just kind of like that was a big part of it and then like carol and like her but but here's the thing they really made it out to where like from the beginning of it to the end of it like carol is portrayed as the good guy and joe is portrayed as the like the ultra villain um where i'm not necessarily saying that was or wasn't accurate in real life it depends on, on on how you see the whole situation but plenty of people i think probably saw that and were like carol wasn't this like they yeah. make her out to be this like this just incredibly like like witty funny outgoing positive just like it didn't it didn't match up quite kind of how the documentary looked if that makes sense why are we spotlighting Tiger King? Because I just assume Carol is going to wrestle at, at WrestleMania, given that they need any type of celebrity involvement that they can get. They, they've got they've got Johnny Knoxville, they've got Logan Paul, they're bringing back Steve Austin. I feel like I'm missing like a ton ton of celebrities. I mean, they, Cody McAfee Rose might be there. Who knows? McAfee, Cody Rose is a celebrity. I watched him on uh, TBS last night, the Go Big Show. That's that's all he does nowadays, right? He's just yeah. reality TV. Oh, he's absolutely so. a celebrity. I'm not disputing that fact. I'm saying he may or may not be at WrestleMania. Yeah, <laughs> he's definitely a gi gigantic star. I mean, the biggest star in the world. What are you talking about, Cody Rhodes? Let's go. Uh, they they're bringing back Steve Austin, and we kind of talked about this when Sean broke the news of hey, they've reached out to Austin to do something at Mania potentially wrestle. Austin accepted Kevin Owens' invitation and said, like, you can call it a, a confrontation. You can call it the KO show. You can call it a match. Call it a, a fight. Whatever you want to call it. He's like, I'm going to kick your ass. Passionate promo. Austin can still cut a hell of a promo. Looks to be in great shape. I don't know what we're going to get out of this. I'll probably be fired up because I love the the glass shattering. Like I said, I'm going to be drinking drinking the, the Dr. Peppers on the couch and going around doling out the stunners to all the kids and everything. But I, I don't know what to expect from this. I don't really have much more to add than, than what I added before. 
Jensen, I'm gonna eat a peanut butter Ori. Yes, and... let's go. Have you have you held off on doing this? this whole I've time? not done this yet. Oh, can, let's can go. Do you have any milk there? Are you milk drinking? No, I have water. I probably should. Everybody can see the peanut butter. There we go. It's uh it's creamy peanut butter. I prefer the the chunky peanut butter. There's the Oreo. Yeah. So for for people, this is an Easter egg. Actually, it's a full on topic. But last <laughs> week's show, we we got interrupted because the EP told me we were out of Oreos, and this led to an Oreo discussion between Jensen and I. And he said that I like to dip my Oreos in peanut butter. And I said, this sounds awful. This sounds disgusting, but I will do it at some point. And at some point is this show because I'd like to pay off bits on the show and not just randomly in, in my house or anything. So because I don't really have a great WWE topic, this is the WWE topic. Peanut okay. butter dipped Oreo. Okay. Now you're going to have to figure out after a few tries kind of what the ratios you like. Um, because I don't go like, I don't, I don't put a ton of peanut butter on there, but I get you know enough that, you know, it's there. So let's see, let's see what you got. All right. So I'm just going to kind of like, I'm not going too heavy with this. Like, is that a lot? That's probably good. Take like one bite out of that. Like don't eat the whole thing, but like, yeah, like one, like a big half a half a bite there. That's great audio. Just me crunching Oreos. Oh, I thought you were saying it tasted great. Oh, man. I was about to pop big. All right. I'm not mad at it. Okay. Is it something that I'm going to do regularly? Absolutely not. I enjoy just my my plain Oreos and, and milk as is. But I'm not mad at it. All right? I was ready. Yeah. I was even coming in with like, oh, I'm going to hate this. This sounds god-awful. Uh, but I'm really not that mad at it. I will even have another bite of a peanut butter dipped oreo see there you go see i do it i don't do it every time i have oreos but i do it every now and then just to switch it up um because i really like reese's i like i like the combination of peanut butter and chocolate a lot so and i love oreos like oreos is like my favorite cookie probably as far as like the like mass produced you know what you buy in the stores and whatnot so um yeah i'm glad that you liked it enough that you that you had a couple bites all right that's good that that's better than i expected reese's is my favorite like candy i'll eat reese's all day yeah i love oreos for some reason, the combination of Oreos and peanut butter never stuck out to me. And again, I was ready to hate this. I was ready to think this was the worst idea in the world. I'm not totally mad at it. So I'll give you credit, Jensen. You win. I don't know what you win, but uh, you you have, I don't know if you've discovered it, but you have turned me on to, nobody called that. You've turned me on to, uh, <laughs> to peanut butter dipped Oreos. All right. No, she she refuses, JJ. She absolutely refuses. I might, I'll try, but I'm pretty sure she she just ain't doing it. She even like I, I commented under like something that both of y'all had said, and she like responded like almost like angrily, like, don't be talking about peanut butters and Oreo. Like I she's gonna kill me for saying this story on air. That's okay. <laughs> I found out that she doesn't like the double stuff Oreos, uh-huh. and we nearly came to blows. But <laughs> How did how does somebody because I always get double stuff? I'm like everybody loves double stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's double stuff. I thought the mega stuff, the mega stuff are, is not good. Like the cookie tastes different, the cream tastes different. I'm not a fan off. of yeah, yeah, yeah. The ratio way off. So I don't I don't like the 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 mega stuff, but the double stuff is like perfect. Like that, that is a perfect cookie right there. So I always get double stuff. And then she did the grocery order and she just got regular Oreos. I was like, oh, why'd you get like regular ones? She's like, well, I like those more. 
than the double stop. I was like, wait. So this is new information to me after after dating for uh, a, a year and a half now. Is like th- this is completely new information mm-hmm. to me that she likes the regular Oreos over the double stop. And I I nearly kicked her in the fucking head. I'm not I'm not lying. Just just kicked her. But we we hashed it out. We're fine. I can't. Who likes the regular ones over the double stuff, Stephen Jensen? Uh, uh, I don't, don't want to say start you. A whole conversation. Do I need to this. kick you in the fucking head? Hey, listen, listen. I will take original and double stuff. Like those two, you can't go wrong either way. Like I'm right. fine with both. Um, if I had my choice between one of the two, I'm going original just because I, oh. I I'm, I'm just I'm just I, I think that is the perfect ratio of cream to cookie. But the, oh, double, the double stuff, stuff. The double stuff's good too, though. Like I'm not complaining ever about the double stuff. Now the mega stuff that I totally agree. And a lot of these like random other uh other like flavors they they come out with. Like I'm not about like almost any of them. But like yeah, yeah, man. The original I think the original Oreo is there's a reason they've been selling it like that for so long. And it's yeah, been but so the, the original just doesn't have enough of the cream though. Like it needs more. That's why the double stuff are so good. I'm telling you, dude, you got to do what I told you last week. You take one original Oreo and then you, wait, was that original or double stuff? That was double had? stuff. Double no, stuff. she ate all the originals. She just went through the whole uh, pack. Okay. Hey, I, I respect like one it. with me. I respect I it. share my double stuff all the time. So you take one original Oreo, I guess double stuff. If you know you got to double stuff, but you take one, you 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 put some like a nice little layer of peanut butter on top of it, and then you take another one of the Oreos, and you you make like a mega like two stacked Oreo with peanut butter in the middle. Oh no, see that and, seems like too much, dude. And what I, I do, I do that, and like some, I see I'm a big milk drinker. I know it's a divisive topic, same, you know, same. but um, I'm one of those people that like. I like, I'll dump my Oreos sometimes, but it also, I kind of, it's weird. I almost like the feeling of like my mouth getting so like almost dry from eating like these delicious Oreos that like when I take that big gulp of milk, it's like, I don't know. So sometimes I mix it up. Sometimes I just wait until the end and just drink a bunch of milk afterwards. That's see, That's yeah, yeah. me. Like I, I will eat and then drink. She is a big, like she dips every single one into yeah. the milk and I don't, the, the, the cookie gets too soggy and stuff. For me on that no i'm 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 eating drink she she's total dip okay well now that we've gotten our thoughts out there about i'm glad you i'm glad you tried the uh the the peanut butter oreos though I'm like, man, wwe like, is just garbage right now i can't pretend i'm not gonna sit here and pretend like i have anything interesting to say about about the product i do about your yours actually the the broad breaker stuff and largely because he came out with, with what he said to to john alba um like I can't pretend like I have anything to add to a WWE conversation when the product just does not interest me at all. I'd much rather just talk about Oreo flavors. That's where I'm at with WWE. Dude, we can stop doing a WWE topic. You know that would actually kind of be great for me. Um, but you know, it's it bad is when it's mania, mania season. season. Yeah, it's know, bad when it's mania season and we're having this conversation. But like, well, it's just. I can wrap up my my Austin thoughts real quick on this too, just to you know put it out there. Um, if Steve, like what I'm assuming is what most people are assuming, right? It'll be the KO show, whatever they want to call it, and it'll basically be Steve Austin coming out, maybe a couple punches and kicks, maybe a mud stomp, maybe just go straight to the stunners, maybe just a bunch of stunners, and uh, who knows? If he can do any of the things that I just mentioned, any of them, they should just market this as an actual match. Like yeah. who can, like who cares if the bell rings? Like we saw Goldberg destroy Kevin Owens in like ten seconds. Like so, 
what's what's the difference between having just Steve Austin go out there I, and hit a stunner and just pin him and like that way at least you're promoting a match versus disappointing everybody with this whole KO show thing. I, I think the difference is that Austin might not want this to be an official match if that's all he can do. He yeah. he strikes me like he's gonna get the paycheck regardless. He strikes me as the kind of guy of like and the Rock match was very good even yeah. though he wasn't in great condition for it. Like it was story-wise and everything it, it was fantastic but he doesn't want his last match to just be like hey kick wham stunner type of thing he has more respect for this business than 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 somebody like goldberg or these people taking the, the saudi money like Shawn michaels i mean that, that's fair and that probably is like exactly because i think the i i'm with everyone else i think the only hold up with this not being a match would be steve austin he's probably the only person on earth who's like but he has his reasons, like you just mentioned. Those are all good reasons to not want to like return to the ring and and like kind of because he has kind of a cool story there too that he's always always tells about like that being his last match with The Rock and people not knowing and it being so good and like him just kind of riding off into the sunset and people not knowing that's what he was going to be doing and, and but instead his to the end of his story would kind of be well and then it came back twenty years later and like beat beat kevin owens with one move and so like technically i won my last match and then people go why you know I, I i'm with you but but my thing is this i think that wwe had every intention in the world of trying to get him in there to wrestle kevin owens in an actual match and i yeah. think steve austin was probably the only hold up in it in it happening i'm not saying i i i'm disappointed by his decision i'm not saying uh that i don't want to see steve austin do something like it'll be cool to see him at wrestlemania but i do know people Shout out to Doug once again. I know that Doug, he, at least he lives in, in Dallas, so like he's not traveling in. But he bought WrestleMania tickets for both nights once the rumor started that Austin was wrestling again and that Cody Rhodes was going to be there. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't I – mean, now he's really, really disappointed that he's bought two tickets. I, for he's, so. Look, he's getting Austin. He This confrontation, whatever it is, is going to be very similar to the match they were going to have anyway, it feels like. So yeah. I, I wouldn't be too disappointed about the Austin thing because at least he's showing up. It, it seemed like there was a possibility like, oh, shit, they struck out on yeah. Austin. Here's Booker T. Here's JBL oh, yeah. type of thing, which would have been bad. Cody, I don't know at this point. Raw's in Jacksonville yeah. this this week, I think. So I think if he's going to show up, it's going to be pretty soon. Otherwise, I don't know when it's going to happen because they're running out of time here with Cody. Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree. I don't, I think if he doesn't show up this Monday, he's not going back to the WWE. I'm like I I'm pretty dead set on it. Roads of Honor, um, baby. I didn't watch Raw this past Monday. I watched it the two previous Mondays. I'll watch it this Monday, but after that, like until he actually shows, I'm not spending my time doing that anymore. But as far as the uh, the other thing about the Austin thing, the only thing that bothers me about any of this, and I get why they're doing it, but. It's pretty lame that like this is a lot of it is based around this whole I haven't wrestled in 19 years. My last match was 19 years ago and you're the one pulling me out to get your ass kicked in my hometown. You've been talking trash about Texas and it's like we've seen Austin for the last two decades come out plenty of times and do exactly what he's going to be doing to Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. Like this isn't something that he hasn't done in 20 years, but to newer wrestling fans, I think that's why you do it because there's a lot of kids that watch WWE that weren't around when Austin, you know, had his run. So they're actually being tricked into thinking like, this is huge. Austin's going to come out and do the first thing he's ever done in, you know, 20 years. It's like, well, we've seen him do 
this exact thing many times uh, in the last 20 years. So Steven Jensen says WWE has tricked kids into believing that Steve Austin is going to do something new when he's just going to do the same stunner he's done for the last 20 years. That's going to be my headline. You know what would be the funniest thing ever is if Kevin Owens just kicks his ass. Like it's just like an, uncom- just an uncompetitive just ass kicking. He's like, That's yeah. what should happen. <laughs> like Austin fires up a little bit and then he realizes he's 60 years old and Kevin Owens just kicks the shit out of him. That's what should happen. Honestly, put some put somebody new over. We're going to see Logan Paul's going to beat Rey Mysterio. Johnny Knoxville is going to beat Sami Zayn. Kevin Owens is going to beat Steve Austin. What other Ronda's going to win. Brock's going to win. All the part-time celebrities are going to win. McAfee's going to win. They're just going to put over all the part-time people. Gonna be, I, I have no, no excitement for WrestleMania this year. They got less than a month to turn this around. And I just, I don't know how they're going to do it. And I don't think they will. And it's a shame. Jensen, you want to talk about Braun Breaker. What, what, why? Well, cause I had to choose the <laughs> WWE topic this week. And I, I did see that, um, I did see that Braun Breaker had a match on Raw. Um, yes, I like how you you just freely admitted didn't watch Raw this week. Let's talk about Braun Breaker wrestling on. Raw. Oh no, I watched his match. I watched. <laughs> okay. I, like, I went back and I watched uh, what he did. I, I had heard that he had debuted on Raw, so I went and I watched this tag team match. Um, and then I also watched his match with uh, Ziggler and Champa on NXT the next night. So I, I do know what's going on when it comes to Braun. I know what's going on when it comes to all of this. I just don't care about it. Like I, <laughs> so I'll, so I'll, I'll, I'll go and like actually pay close attention to the stuff we talk about. And I, and it's just uh, coincidental that like the whole him smiling more thing kind of came up in the last few days too. So it kind of made it for a good topic this week, but um. They took the title off him already. Um, I think he'll just win it back at WrestleMania weekend in a, in a singles match with, with Dolph. But my the reason I'm I'm spotlighting him, to be honest, is and you would know this better than me. Like, does it look like we'll probably get Braun Breaker like on a regular basis on Raw going forward, or do you think that this is just a way of just trying to get some sort of interest in the NXT show for WrestleMania weekend, and like that's just pretty much just them advertising it, but it'll still be a while, a while before breaker is like a part of raw. And then the other part of the question I have for you is, do you, th- well, it's not really a question. It's more so a statement, I guess, for all of us to keep our eyes on Braun breaker is going to be one of those first guys, I think of like showing whether or not NXT 2.0 is going to work with the current setup because he was definitely treated better than, um, let's say uh carrying cross when he debuted on raw right um we couldn't we couldn't get much worse right but like (laughs) but i think this is kind of a good litmus test of like we'll see what they do with braun breaker because this is one of the first guys that like has a real chance that vince has had a hand in his his whole career from like the you know developmental all the way through uh to the main roster so i just want to throw that out there i think i think whatever happens with braun breaker is going to be pretty telling on like whether or not this whole kind of experiment is going to work long-term or not with NXT 2.0. But on top of that, I guess, what what are your thoughts on, I guess, Breaker being on Raw? And like, is it a long-term thing or just a thing to, to try to sell this this show um, for WrestleMania weekend? I think right now it's to sell the show for Mania weekend. I mean, Breaker has said like he doesn't know when he'll be back, probably because he doesn't know when he's going to be back. They, they do these things so quickly, uh, like the when they're going to find out that they're going to be there. So I would imagine he probably doesn't know when he'll actually be back on raw. 
I think he'll be there through Mania. I'm with you. They'll probably do Ziggler and Breaker at the, the Stand and Deliver show Mania weekend. It seems like they just put the title back on Breaker there. I think they probably holds it until SummerSlam weekend. And then you kind of make somebody SummerSlam weekend. And then after SummerSlam, you bring Braun up. Your your point of he's going to be the real big test here is, is what I'm more interested in because you're right in that, yeah, when Karrion Cross came up, it was clear they had no design for him. He just came up, he, he loses to Jeff Hardy in 30 seconds, and then he loses some more, and then he becomes a, a gimp and a Viking or whatever he was becoming. <laughs> a gimp um, and a Viking, yeah. I mean, th- that's what he was wearing, right? <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, he had the leather strap thing. Yeah, whatever, so, yeah. so like whatever they were doing. <laughs> Well, yeah, this is Vince's NXT 2.0. And like, if they're going to make it with Braun Breaker, then it, they're going to have to make him. Like they, they've, they've pushed him in, in 2.0. And it's like, okay, if you're serious about 2.0 and pushing this guy and the main roster 2.0 synergy, when you eventually call him up, you've got to kind of keep going with him and turn him into something. And him saying like he was told to smile more by everybody doesn't give me a ton of hope because that's what Vince wants to tell everybody for some reason. Um, but he told that to people that he didn't get in the first place. He's had his hands on with Braun Breaker from the very first 2.0 show. I would think that when he eventually comes up to the main roster, he's going to be treated well. I, Based on history, I don't know why I think that, because the, the history is certainly not good um, with the way they treat these guys. But if they're going to do it, Breaker would be the guy to do it with. And if they don't do it with him, it ain't looking good for anybody. They should just shut down the 2.0. Because if he can't make it on the main roster and he's going to be treated like he's a black and gold call up and treated the same way, there ain't much hope for anybody else. Yeah, uh, I agree with everything you're saying. And and that's a big thing, too, is like not only – not only what you just said about like if he can't make it, then like who's going to? It's also almost hard to tell too until we see like because like if Braun Breaker does make it, then it then the real question is going to be is he the only one that's going to make it? Like what happens to the next few people? Because like Braun is like the one dude who is like being heavily spotlighted as the future of like NXT and WWE, and yeah. and for rightful rightfully so, right? The guy's only had like thirty matches and he's, he's way better than he has any right to be. And he has the family history and the look and the whole thing, right? Like I, I, I totally get why they've chosen him. Um, so like assuming that he is successful, I'm going to be really interested to see the next few people that like, like if, if I think NXT 2.0 will be considered a success if they can do this with Braun Breaker and then like they can do it again with someone else and then again with someone else like pick another person to do a Braun Breaker type thing with and and if that becomes a thing where they're kind of slowly building new people through NXT and they kind of highlight one guy or one girl and or one of each or whatever and then you put them in, and it's working that's you know that's I think the big hope but uh but yeah like you just said if 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 things don't work, work out for Braun Breaker, then like that's that's going to be bleak for the the rest of the people they've got right now, in my opinion. At least if it does work with him, and they show like, hey, we could we invested in this guy in 2.0, and now we're investing in the main roster. At least that'll give hope for everybody else in 2.0. Right. Because I mean, we we saw it at the end of, of Black and Gold. It's like anybody who was calling up was just getting shit on, 
And I don't know how everybody in that locker room was feeling, but you got the feeling that like, Hey, there ain't hope for us on the main roster. Maybe some of them were like, Oh, I'll be different. It'll be different with me. But based on the way guys were like leaving and everything and the way they were acting, it's like, Oh yeah. Like they, this guy didn't make it. This guy didn't make it. There ain't much hope for us. And it just, you, you, you beat down the fan base with that stuff. Cause like anytime they tried to call up anybody to the main roster, the immediate reaction was never like, Oh, so excited to see him. It's like, Oh fuck. They're going to ruin this guy. Now, at least if breaker calls up, gets called up and he works out. Then when like Carmelo gets called up, it's like, Oh cool. Like there's some hope for Carmelo up here. Like maybe they'll treat him well. And of course they could immediately ruin that very quickly. And it could just be Braun breaker is the exception and not the rule. But that's why I, I think you're right in that. Like it will be fascinating to see how they treat him when he eventually gets called up. They've at least they're off to a decent start with him winning on raw. They've at least got that portion down, but once he's there full time, they're going to have to prove that this is actually different than the black and gold call-ups 2.0. There is some synergy with that in the main roster. For sure. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. What's the uh, next the, topic we got? The, the other spotlight. So we, we both went impact. Impact yes. is heavily featured on the other. We're, we're going to start with yours. Uh, and it's going to be Tasha Steeles winning the impact knockouts championship for Mickey James and sacrifice. Yes. It, exactly that. Um, you know, Tasha Steeles won that uh, first ever women's exhibition match to get the number one contender spot. And then she lost her first attempt at Mickey James. And I know there's a lot of people like Jay Shell. I know she's out there. She might be listening. I know she was very, very upset that uh, Tasha had not been become the champion. But Tasha gets the big win. Good for her. She's been in the game a long time. Like people may not realize, like, um, you know. She, she's she's got a lot of experience she's a veteran she's been around for a minute and uh she's very talented and with the way that they pushed her especially after uh here <clears throat> hogan left the company like because i didn't know what was gonna happen with tasha because i i thought that they were the best uh female tag team uh them and i like jordan grace and rachel Elring a lot too but as far as like um like i thought hogan and steels were kind of like the backbone if that makes sense of like the knockouts division um and of uh, the tag team division for the knockouts and I just didn't really know what Tasha Steele's future was going to look like with Hogan leaving. And um, she has done great in my opinion. Like I, you know, I, so I just wanted to give her a shout out on the show today. Cause uh, she went from someone that could have easily, I think got lost in the shuffle after her tag team ended to somebody who's like really stood out and got some big wins and looked really good in the ring and gets a big win over Mickey James, who has, you know, a lot of buzz, coming off, you know, the Royal Rumble recently, being in NWA, being an impact, being kind of, you know, all over the place. Mickey James got, a, you know, a lot of buzz still. Um, and for Tasha to get the win on her, I thought meant a lot too. So um, personally speaking, it would have been even cooler if like she got the win over Deanna. Like if Deanna would have held the title through this whole time and Tasha would have been the one to get it from her. But that said, I, I thought it was really uh, a big moment for Tasha Steeles. And I think she's the right person right now to be the impact knockouts champion. So, uh, that's why I wanted to bring her up today. It's going to be, um, obviously, the, the follow-up is going to be big. I thought the match was good. Uh, I understand the story that they were telling with Mickey being concerned with, with Chelsea, who, who got her uh, wrist broken beforehand. And then Tasha needed like some, some outside interference and everything. I, I liked it more than their no-surrender match. Um, I, I like the sacrifice match a little bit better. Now it will be kind of like what's sort of next. I don't know if they do a best of essentially a best of three with Mickey and they go to rebellion with Tasha 
and Mickey. I think you could probably extend it that long to some type of gimmick match at Rebellion. I think that might be might be even even a little bit better because I think maybe maybe Tasha's maybe more suited in, in Mickey as well at this point. I didn't like the I didn't fully like the Texas Death match between Mickey and Deanna, but I didn't think that played the Deanna strength. I, I definitely think something like that plays more to to Mickey's strengths. Um, and then like after Mickey though, they gotta kind of get somebody in mind because they're putting a lot of focus on the, the tag division, which is great. But Deanna's still out there, obviously. But then you kind of got two heels clashing with Tasha and Deanna. Like, they got to get someone in line for Tasha after Mickey is what I'm kind of really seeing. As far as Tasha goes, like, she's great. She's a star. There there was, like you said, like, after Kira left, like, okay, what are we going to do? She immediately came in with, with Savannah, uh, kind of got aligned with her, which kind of which kept her momentum going, which was good. She won Ultimate X, which is obviously a huge win. I was glad that after she lost that no surrender, it wasn't just like an immediately drop thing. It's like, okay, what are we doing? They kept going. And JJ said it like they actually pulled the trigger on this. It would have been very easy to just kind of kept riding with Mickey. And then at Rebellion, like you just do Deanna and Mickey again for reasons and, and go from there. Uh, I'm interested to see who they dan- dance as uh, Lady Frost in the spot. That's a, that's a good shout right there. They had the names. There's no doubt they have the yeah. names. Like they just got to. There's got to find someone to commit to, to, to be in that spot, to challenge Tasha, whether it's coming out of, because I haven't read the spoilers, whether it's coming out of Sacrifice or whether it's coming out of Rebellion, if they do Mickey and Tasha one more time at Rebellion. Yeah, I, I like the idea of Lady Frost. That is a good shout. Um, And they always got Jordan Grace, even though, like I've said before, I want Jordan Grace to be involved in like the main titles, like the world title and like the exhibition title personally. But um, because I, she's like, kind of been there, done that with the knockouts title a couple times. But like, but they always had, they had, they got so many good women on that roster. Um, and then also just speaking of not knowing the spoilers, it was so hard during our Crockett cup. Uh, Cause I had done the spoilers for the weekender. So I knew that OGK was getting out in the first round. Oh, yeah. see, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, all in. I was like, oh, shit, I yeah. can't see them winning. The fixers beat them in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know this. I remember when, my God, is that the real Chris Van Vliet? Chris, what's that, up, man? Make if that counts. is the real Chris, good to see you, man. <laughs> Big fan over here. Yes, Van Vliet rules. Um, always listen, listen to his stuff. Uh, I'm sure everybody checks out his interviews. But if you haven't, then you know, go check out uh, Insight with Chris Van Vliet. Uh, go check out his YouTube channel and, and the podcast. Um, but, I, oh yeah, the spoilers. I See, I had not read the spoilers, obviously, because I would not have like put myself out there that much. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, OGK. And then look, really look stupid. Instead, I just... Yeah, I just really looked stupid because I was like, I could really see them. And I I bought that they'd really do it. And I so I did the results for, for that show. And when I saw that they had lost, I was like, oh shit, I completely missed on that one. <laughs> well, yeah, Bracket I, busted I, immediately. Well, I played it straight too. We're like, you I, did because you know, I had that seen, at all. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to like ruin it for any of the viewers who didn't know or you. So um, that's one it. of the things with the weekender. If, if y'all, you know, ever want to check that out on fightfulselect.com, that's every Sunday. And when there's big, uh, you know, uh, tapings for, you know, spoilers for NWA and impact and MLW, really anyone who pre-tapes their shows, um, that is a part of the show is way I always go through those spoilers and give my thoughts before they, uh, before they air. So, um, so I had already done that before we had recorded our Crockett <laughs> cup. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that was, yeah, just want to throw that out there. Uh, we're talking about spoilers, but yeah, and, and, and what your impact wrestling spotlight this week is a big one. Josh Alexander back to impact wrestling. So uh, yeah, give, yeah, give me your thoughts on all this with Josh Alexander. He re-signed a, a multi-year deal. He's going to take on, he's going to take on Moose at Rebellion. They, they 
paid it off. And uh, JJ mentions it is uh, Josh Alexander was on Listen to Boy yesterday. Yep. JJ was the the true star of that interview because his questions got read and he's the one who got the scoops out of that with Alexander resigning. And then also learning that Josh Alexander was apparently supposed to be in the crowd at an AEW event before bound for glory uh, as, as one, sort of like what, what Camille did with Layla Hirsch, where it's like, Oh, this person, Josh Alexander is going to be challenging Christian for the impact world title at bound for glory. But apparently Christian got hurt. And so they didn't do a match. So they didn't do Alexander ringside but jj asked the question and they got that scoop there so shout out to jj uh yeah alexander returned thank god thank god they're gonna let this play out thank they thank god they have some type of ending to this because it was very troubling when alexander lost the title i still don't think this was the play to put the belt on moose i think moose uh his run i mean the man faced cardona morrissey and Heath. this run has been awful it's not his fault he's just been given these wwe guys an impact who are treated like WWE guys in Impact. It's Cardona's weakest territory. Uh, I That's not on Moose. They should have had better challengers lineup. But clearly they were stalling until they could play out the Josh Alexander angle, which is fine. Uh, Alexander, coming back. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. Sticking with Impact, I'm assuming he's winning the title at Rebellion. If they don't, they're complete idiots, but it's a big get. It's a big keep. For impact because Alexander could have gone anywhere. He could have thrived anywhere. Probably would have gotten lost in the shuffle in a couple of places. Impact, he can continue to be a very big fish because I think we're both assuming he's winning that title at Rebellion. So he's gonna be at the top of the mountain um, come 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 the end of the come the end of April uh, with, with the championship. So good on Alexander. It seems like he got paid as well. That's always a good thing. And good on Impact for keeping him. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Um, if if Alexander doesn't beat Moose for the title, this is really all for nothing. Um, the like heat. all of it. Gotta think yeah. of the heat, Jensen. Um, because like when you go back and you think about when Alexander started really getting his push, like after Ethan Page left and went to AEW, and you know, he had that that X Division run that was really good. He had that really that the, I always bring this up because people forget, but he had like that great Iron Man match with TJP, like you know, and 
And like he had some really, really good matches with that championship. Um, and he held the title for quite a while. And then he cashed it in with option C and then he won the world title. And then Moose beats him right away. And now we're going to hopefully get back to the point where, okay, now Alexander gets his revenge. He gets the title back and he goes on a long title run because otherwise, like I said, this is all for nothing because like it just, it's like, damn, you had this opportunity with this guy, great exhibition run. He was the right guy. The fans wanted it. Like, and then he like resigns with the company and like, they don't put the title on him. Then it's like, what's, what are they doing? Like, what's, what was the point of all of this? Like, I feel like the main reason why you would want to stay in impact and all and everything involved in this is like, this is all revolving around Alexander being the impact world champion. He earned it. He deserved it. Moose's title run, you're right, it hasn't been good. And I was a guy for quite a while that said that they should probably put the title on him. Now, granted, that would have been, you know, if you would have beat like Kenny Ford, I'm not saying that's a good or a bad idea. I'm just saying if you would have beat Kenny Ford, we're, we're probably having a totally different conversation because it would have had so much buzz in the wrestling world and he could have had matches against different people and, and all this stuff. And instead, it was like basically a cheap, almost fluke kind of win to win the title from TJP. And then the Cardona match, like I love Matt Cardona, but like it was, you know, the match just was what it was. It wasn't, it wasn't great. Um, and then, yeah, the Morrissey thing, just the more it's just, you're right. There's just, it just hasn't really worked. And a part of it's the opponents Heath. I mean, who can get excited for Heath versus Moose for the world title? It just, I don't, outside of Heath, I'm sure Heath was real excited about it, but outside of that, I'm, I'm just like, so it's just one of those things where, yeah, you're right. I hate to, I hate to be this frank about it, like this 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 brash about it, but like Impact, they're idiots if they don't put the world title on on Josh Alexander when he wrestles Moose. Like it just it would make they are no sense. They are yeah. Like it, it would be. They've had a lot of misfires over the years. I I think him losing it like he did to Moose at Bound for Glory was a misfire they can at least right that wrong and really make good by, by having him win it at rebellion. And if they don't, I don't think they're going to have much faithful fans left. JJ might be the one, like he's yeah. going to be, he's going to be the only person at the impact tapings, like at Uso just holding up one finger. Cause he's the, he's the one fan left. If Alexander doesn't win the title. Yeah. And that's unfortunate when you have this company where like the women are so good. And the X division is so good. And the, the tag team stuff, like that's kind of hit or miss depending on the teams involved, but like, there's a lot of talent there and stuff. And it just kind of feels like the impact world title just gets really like when Kenny was holding it, it was a big deal because it was Kenny and like the belt collector and the forbidden door and all the exciting stuff that came along with it. But like, it's been far too long where it's been dudes like Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan. And now like the moose run hasn't been good. And it's just, they gotta, they gotta mix it up. And, and Alexander is clearly the right guy. So I'll say this for for Impact. I, I'll probably, I probably get a bad rap for not paying attention to Impact or, or bashing Impact and stuff. I've liked a lot of their stuff lately. The, the Eddie Edwards turn and aligning with Honor yep. No More. That whole invasion has been good. Um, the Tasha Steeles winning the title ha- has been very good. Now, now I'm gonna out myself because oh, Jay, Jay White, the Jay White and, and Alex Shelley match. Was, that was great. fucking aces yeah. from sacrifice. I for some reason, which maybe I should have expected it to be good, but like Jonah and PCO, oh, that match fucking awesome. banged. 
like now multiverse uh multiverse in in uh multiverse of matches at, at wrestlemania weekend which is the the show impact is running they they got the ultimate x match they got ishii um against eddie edwards they got jay white against chris saban uh they get the perrazzo doing an open challenge like this looks like a really good card for impact uh, during wrestlemania weekend and then Rebellion, like you've already got Alexander most likely winning the title for Moose. We'll see what else is on that card, but that's a big moment. The impact feels sort of hot right now when, I, when a lot of times they are just kind of going through the motions or even if they feel hot, they're, they're not really that hot. Uh, yeah, Good Brothers losing the tag belts was certainly overdue. And they lost to a good well. team. Doring and Eric Young are, are, are great. Yeah, like Impact feels like they've got some momentum right now, and I hope for their sake they can actually capitalize on that because we all want all these companies to succeed and have places to work and everything. Nobody likes watching bad wrestling or wrestling they can't get invested into. I, I've spent portion of this just talking about WWE and wasting my WWE spotlight because I don't have anything interesting to say about WWE because I don't find their television interesting. I don't want companies to be like that. I don't want to feel that way about, about companies. So good on impact for letting me invest into something with, with what they're doing right now. Yeah. Well, and, and imagine like everything you just said, put on top of it, you have like a fresh, exciting, great in the ring world champion. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? That's like the one thing I feel like they're really missing is just like, and once again, people have their opinions of Moose. I get it. But like, I was definitely one of the people that wanted to see him get a world title run, but this it's it, 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 the way that it all happened. Just it, it, they shot themselves in the foot in a lot of ways with all of this. It, it was the way it happened. And like I don't put a lot of this on Moose because it's very tough to carry programs with impact Cardona uh, and then, and then Heath and then W Morrissey. Right. Like those are just not the programs people want to see. All right. And they tried, Cardona tried, especially with the Chelsea stuff, Chelsea taking chair shots back for the girls and everything. Like they tried with that stuff. It just wasn't programs that, that people wanted to see. That, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Um, and now you have the Alexander program where you can kind of sink your teeth into it because of what they did at Bound for Glory. So I don't put it all on Moose as the champion. He has to take some responsibility because the champion just has to. Uh, but it, it's, it's not all on him. The company's gotta 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 book him better in, in certain instances. Just like you know, when when Biggie has a shitty run, I don't put all that on him. They, he was booked like shit, and it, some stuff is gonna fall on him just because he's, he's the champion. Some of the stuff he just can't help. Moose, you can't help if you're working with, with Heath and W Morrissey. All right. Yeah. Very indie true. spotlight indie spotlight Stephen jensen mine this week i listened to an interview with uh Atticus, atticus coger um formerly of gcw it was with gregory iron uh they're you know they're running mates in in 4440h um 440 yeah 440 yes. sorry uh i knew you correct me on that uh they're, they're running mates there and it's an iron on podcast and coger announced that he was leaving or he has left gcw and he really detailed like why, and, and the big thing of it was sort of the booking. He thought he, he did say that like the booking wasn't the the, the main portion. He, did, he said he didn't have like too big of an issue with that. A lot of it was coming down to he said the toxic locker room. What was the big thing? Um, 
with, with people with the, the drug use and everything like that. Uh, and his mental health wasn't good. He did talk about the booking specifically the Hammerstein show where he cut a promo, where he was unhappy that the originals didn't really get a spot that they, they should have deserved. And we talked about this on this show and, and, and on other shows it was like, Oh, Ruby's going to win. Jeff Jarrett's going to win. You have Cardona on the show, which Cardona kind of become a GCW guy, but the guys who had kind of bled buckets for that company over the years, they were not as featured. I mean, Nick Gage wasn't advertised at all. There were, we didn't know if Nick Gage was going to show up until he finally showed up. Uh, but he was not happy about that. He, re- he cut a promo saying as much. And then they, he said that they never shared that or anything like that. Um, and then it sounded like he was supposed to do something with more ECW legends. It was just Sabu. Jensen, you know more about Koger's kind of kind of story and, and history with GCW than I do. I find this fascinating because basically a chunk of why he left is what we what a lot of people talked about coming out of Hammerstein is that it did not feel like an authentic GCW thing. And we wondered if there would be any type of backlash from that from like fans and stuff like, oh, what, what do fans think about this? And fans were very mixed on it. Now it seems like there's some backlash with people in the locker room with Koger just outright leaving. Like, what are you, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? Yeah, I got a lot of thoughts on it. Like, so first of all, just for anybody who cares or who might be there, I'll be at GCW this uh, this Saturday um, here in Atlanta at Center Stage. Um, and if you're a wrestler, I'll, I'll reach out to some wrestlers too. But I'll try to get some uh, some quick uh, audio interviews while I'm there as well, like I did at Terminus. So anyone who hears this, if you see me at the show, say what's up. I love meeting people who you know, watch wrestling and like fightful and all that stuff. So um, as far as all this, man, there's a lot of layers to it. Cause so the, to give a little backstory of like why Atticus Kogar is kind of in the spot he's in before he left, I guess is like, he was kind of like the sidekick to Ricky Shane page, RSP. RSP was the longtime GCW world champion he beat AJ Gray for the title literally minutes after AJ Gray had beaten Nick Gage for the title. This is like uh, almost probably between two and three years ago now already. Yeah. But um, because RSP had the title for like 18 months before losing it to Nick Gage at last year's spring break. So anyways, RSP pretty much left GCW as well um, last year. And Part of that, I don't really know why. Like, part of it is probably has to do with like he's not really doing death matches anymore, and also, like, they might not really know what to do with him going forward because like he was like they've already he was the champion for eighteen months. Like, where do you really go from there? I I, I don't so I don't know what all led to RSP leaving, but when he did, Atticus really kind of became the on air leader of four four zero in GCW. There's still a group in other indies like you still see RSP with with Kogar and iron and Eric Ryan and, and all these other guys, uh, Eddie only these guys, like when they're out and about on the Indies, uh, the Bev Bobby Beverly, but it, it, the reason it's so confusing is because Atticus really seemed prime to like be the GCW world champion. Like, it, like he really, they left a lot on the table with him going against RSP. Like we never got to see that. And then he was heavily featured all year for, for game changer wrestling. Like one of the biggest feuds in the last handful of months was him and Jordan Oliver feuding and Starboy or sorry, Nick Wayne was, was involved in that as well. And it was like this big, huge feud that they had that kind of ended like right before Hammerstein. So I was, first of all, I was really, really confused when Atticus Kogar didn't have a match 
at Hammerstein. Um, but then part of it is like, because of the venue being that venue, there's a lot of stuff they just can't do there that you'd normally see on a GCW show. And Atticus is really his like signature move is taking, this is going to sound very graphic to people who aren't expecting to hear about this, but he takes a, a fistful of green meat skewers, like wooden meat, they're either wooden or plastic meat skewers. And he takes them and he puts them in his opponent's foreheads and he pops them into their heads. So these, these you know, are hanging out of their heads. And sometimes they'll do like bundles of them and it looks like people got antlers and stuff. But that's like a big part of his act is is popping people in the head with these skewers. So right there, like you can't even do that in Hammerstein right there. Like his, his number one kind of move, he's not even able to do there. So like I understood probably reasons why maybe he wasn't on the Hammerstein show, but there's ways to get around that. Like he doesn't have to hit the skewers. Like he's super over with the crowd. He's a fantastic heel, but he's a guy who has a lot of upside. I think as a baby face also eventually. So like they're just leaving so much on the table without Atticus there. Like I really thought he was going to be one. Like I think AJ Gray will probably be the next GCW world champion potentially. Um, You got a good shot at it. But outside of that, I would have said Atticus is probably like the, the the first guy I would I would think would be one of the next GCW World Champions. Um, the locker room stuff I can't really speak to. Um, but what I will say is GCW like they're the outlaws, right? Like they're the company that's always talking about like doing it their own way. They had that whole thing with IWTV that like that got messy. Like there there's a lot of stuff like so they kind of carry themselves as a company who like really doesn't give a whatever about what people think about what they do how they do it i'm not saying that that mean that makes their locker room a certain way or a certain type of people work there or whatever my, my point is it doesn't like you hear the stories about like the ecw locker room right and like i'm not saying that is what's happening in gcw but that's kind of what atticus was kind of saying right like yeah. he was like there are things going on with some of the wrestlers that are here on a regular basis where like i'm in recovery and like i don't want to be around it um which is fair Right. So, um, it's hard, it's hard for me to speak to any of like the personal issues he has with GCW. Cause that's like behind closed doors backstage between him and Brett type stuff. But what, what I will say is, is from a fan who's like heavily invested in the product, it was very confusing to see his lack of use at Hammerstein. And even he said like, it was supposed to be all these ECW originals, but it wound up just being Sabu. And, and like, it just, it feels like Atticus does have a point in my, in my honest opinion about the the point he's making about all these wrestlers who literally bled buckets for this company to get to the point of being on Hammerstein. A lot of them getting pushed to the side in favor of, of like the Jeff Jarrett's of the world. Um, so, so, so as a fan of GCW, it's disappointing, but it, it won't like detract me from watching the show. Like I'm going to have a blast on, on Saturday and I'm going to keep supporting their product, but I'm also going to support Atticus, like whatever, whatever he does next. Cause he's been killing it on the Indies this whole time outside of GCW. And, and it, it just, it just, it's just really, really unfortunate that they left so much on the table for him and for the company. So Atticus, I believe he's going to be involved in, I want to make sure the name right uh he's gonna be involved in a promotion circle six they're they're having their debut event uh march 19th i, I don't know specifics if that's airing on big fight or anything like that but that that's his kind of, kind of deal and I, I have a story kind of running on that probably this weekend i'll post that um but as far as yeah i i don't know the the whole story with with Koger and and 
like his whole GCW history and stuff. Like you said, I think comment on the, on the locker room or guys not getting paid. I think he said Eddie only wasn't paid for like Hammerstein or, or paid right. for a show, anything like that. I don't know any of that stuff. I thought he made points when it comes to the Hammerstein stuff. And he said, like, I told Brett, like, I want to be one of these GCW guys. Like, I want to be known for like being at this company. And he also said, like, Brett kind of sees his shiny new toy and he wants to he wants to go play with that. Like Cardona comes in. Okay, that, that'll pop people. Jeff Jarrett comes in. That'll pop people. Uh, you know, you can use Homicide. You can use Moxley. And like this, this, these guys came in and they certainly helped GCW. They, they got a lot of attention for GCW. But to a lot of guys in, in the locker room, you have to consider how they're feeling of like, hey, we've been here busting our ass doing all this. Why are we getting pushed to this battle royal and they're taking spots away from us and then to, to further that is like not only are they taking spots away from us they're beating our guys like ruby's coming in here and beating one of our, our top female jared's coming in here and beating one of, one of our top males uh cardona is, cardona is kind of gcw at this point but he he's beating janela and everything like i can imagine how that doesn't sit well with guys who not are just like doing hey you're in kind of a scramble match you're in a cool position and stuff like i've seen i've seen some of his stuff you mentioned the skewer thing he, d- he does that in a lot of the matches like that man is bleeding buckets for, for the company and i know that uh 44-0 right is that right 440 yeah 440 sorry um they're from ohio oh yeah it's ohio area sucks ohio horrible yeah. who could possibly live in ohio uh 440 i know that like they are a big part of gcw and, and the ricky shane page stuff that that was a big feud with nick gage like lauderdale got involved in that feud and everything so i know that was a big thing and i know ricky shane page has not been on a lot of the shows recently he seems to be pretty much on from, from the company as well so it was even surprising when like he wasn't involved but a little bit more understandable because he had been kind of off for a little while um it's it's going to happen when, when a company grows. GCW in Lauderdale, maybe this will be some sort of a wake-up call of like, hey, we should kind of treat our original guys and the guys who are more full-time, like give them a little bit more prominent positions on these bigger shows and rely less on, hey, we've got this guy to, to pop the rating or to pop the town or anything like that. Because like that stuff's always going to be there, but GCW was built on guys like Gage, like Janela, RSP, and that that kind of style, that outlaw style, and less, even though they did have guys coming and pop, it was never built fully on on that kind of stuff. So hopefully, it's some sort of way to call to them. Yeah, yeah, and and he said it in the interview as well um, about how GCW also has kind of been evolving, if you will, to where like they aren't. There's still death matches, but like that isn't like the heavy singular focus of their shows. Like it's like you usually get like maybe one or two like pretty ultra violent death matches a show. Sometimes no death matches at all. But like that's also one of those things. Some of these guys um, really love doing the death matches. And I know Atticus is one of those guys. So like, you know, maybe not only is he having a hard time just getting on the show in general with some of these stories and other people coming in and stuff, but it's like it makes his opportunities even slimmer. Cause like, if he wants to do death matches, you're talking like one or two opportunities a show maybe to do that versus like the other, you know, five, 10 matches or whatever on the card that aren't death matches. You know what I mean? It just, it just feels like his opportunity just might not be um, 
what it was before, unfortunately. And I, and I hate it, by the way, because I'm a big Atticus fan. I, I, I really like that guy. Um, and I wanted to see him be the GCW world champion. But um, I, yeah, it's a bummer that he's left the company. It's a bummer for the company. It's a bummer for him, you know, as a fan. Uh, and your indie spotlight is Jaden Newman winning the Sub Bone Storm Championship from AJ Gray this past weekend. Yes, he did. Um, he won in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Saudi Daisy to be exact, Saudi Daisy High School, um, which is his alma mater, which is really cool. Uh, the SUP company runs out of Nashville, Tennessee. I always call them like a sister company where you have like SUP, Action, and SCI kind of all work hand in hand together. Um, so Jaden, uh, yeah, it was, it was really, really cool to see him get that W. And I don't really have to elaborate on it too much because we have an interview coming up with him. We're going to talk about all this stuff. But yeah, shout out to Jaden Newman, um, a guy I've been following for years. who started wrestling. I mean, he'll tell his story, but, you know, got in a ring at 14 years old, wanted to at 10 years old. Um, but, you know, now he's 23. So he's a young veteran. He's been wrestling for around a decade already, still only 23 years old. And um, this sub, this sub bone storm championship, um, definitely, at least in my opinion, uh, and I think he'd agree that the biggest championship of his career up to this point. So, uh, so yeah, big, and of course, for that also being over AJ, you know, AJ heading into spring break to wrestle Mox for the GCW world title. Like, so to get a W over, over AJ, like that's a big deal. And on top of that, I could see why, like AJ is doing a lot of stuff on the West coast. Now he's really heavily involved in GCW. He's kind of all over the map now. So like, it's probably, it was probably a combination of like Jaden being the right guy at the right time. And also like, it's, you know, the sub probably doesn't have access to AJ like they used to, cause he's just kind of all over the place and has other commitments now. So like, I'm, I'm really, really happy that, that, that Jaden was the one to, to beat him for that title and be the new champion. Cause if you haven't seen this match, it took place at the scenic city rumble uh, the, this weekend and Jensen, as he always does, he, in the indie spotlight, he, he picks something that I don't know too much about. And then I check it out and I learn a little bit. And then, so I watch this match. People who have watched AJ Gray matches, I, I imagine our audience is a little bit more familiar with AJ over Jaden. And the man hits very hard. And I'm watching him destroy Jaden with these, these chops and strikes. And Jaden actually, in this interview, he shows his, uh, his chest following the weekend. So we recorded this on Tuesday. So he's fresh off of this match. He said he wrestled three matches over the weekend, he wrestled Thursday. He wrestled Dominic Greeny on Friday. And then he wrestled uh, AJ Gray on Saturday. Tuesday, he showed us what his chest looked like after this run of matches. It was brutal. I don't know why the, the people, people do this to themselves, but God bless them. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a fantastic match. I learned a little bit about Jaden, not only through the matches that I watched this weekend, but through this interview here, like you said, much to add as far as him winning the title because he's going to add plenty to the story here he's going to talk us all through winning the title what it was like wrestling uh at his alma mater his high school uh going to teachers and being like fuck you i got this title now you told me i wouldn't i wouldn't make it um and plenty plenty other fun stuff with Jaden. so we're going to throw to our interview right now with, with Jaden newman the sup bone store champion Welcome to the interview portion of the spotlight here on Fightful. I am Steven Jensen, as always, with Jeremy Lambert. And today we have joining us the brand new Southern Underground Pro Bone Storm Champion, Jade Newman. Thanks for joining us, man. We got to talk a little bit before we got started here, but uh, how you doing, dude? I'm doing great, man. Uh, yeah, we had a nice little conversation on the way back <laughs> from work. Uh, staying busy as always, but I'm excited to get to speak with you again. 
and I'm excited to just be on here with y'all and talk some wrestling. Yeah, well, you know, we haven't talked in a while, um, but I remember interviewing you, I mean, it was already years ago on the Fight Talk podcast, but even before then, I don't know if you remember this, Jaden, but I talked to you in person at the SCI when you were there as a fan, but you were, yes. you were wrestling, but you you're, you were telling me then, you were like, man, one of my biggest goals, it might have been your biggest goal in wrestling, was just to get on the SCI tournament. Like, that was like a massive thing for you. And we were just sitting there, just standing with you, you know, as a fan, watching it as it was happening. And now, fast forward a few years, you are a staple of Chattanooga Wrestling. You're training people at TWE. You're, you're running shows. You're the champion of sub. I mean, you're my favorite to win the SCI this year. Hopefully, you win the, I think you're going to win the whole tournament this year. So, like, a do you remember that though talking to me like that long ago i do we were up there at the top of the stairs uh closest to the bathroom see i, I remember the high school very well obviously <laughs> my alma mater but no i remember the conversation and it's so wild to think where we are now say two years ago i mean we've made it through a pandemic and wrestling has completely changed since then uh, people that were in that tournament have now went on to get signed, have gone on to do bigger, better things. Some aren't wrestling anymore. Like, it's wild. Pro wrestling is the wild, wild west right now. So to be able to have accomplished those goals since the last time we talked is, like, super important to me. And it's, like, very exciting to be able to come back on here and reflect, you know, almost two years to the day. Yeah. You had, yeah. It's all you had, Jeremy. You had, you had two matches this weekend. Uh, against Dominic Garini and, and AJ Gray. Different matches, but the one thing that was similar in that is that you got the shit kicked out of you by, by both. And I say that in the nicest way possible. But like, of course. They, they were, you know, a lot of heavy strikes from both men. And I just got to know, how's your chest feeling after both of these matches? Because it looked I mean, rough <laughs> against AJ. For the, for the visual portion, do y'all want to see it? Yeah, I mean, yes. yes. All right, I got you. Hold on. <laughs> I saw this night of, and it looked gnarly, but oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, oh. man. That's a good way for a minute. I, mean, I like, <laughs> I know AJ Gray hits hard, and you wrestled him one night after wrestling Greeny, and that just seems like something I, I would not want to do. So bless you for doing that. Uh, and, like, here's the thing, too. Like, it doesn't get seen a lot, uh, but I do a show on Thursdays as well called Galaxy Pro. So I had wrestled in a four-way match galaxy pro on thursday wrestled dom on the friday and then wrestled aj on saturday so like i was going into my third match of the weekend completely worn out tired uh already beaten and battered ready to get battered up some more uh it was god bless i i put too much on my plate and i admit it but i wouldn't have it any other way you know this like the marks and the scars that potentially come from these matches sometimes, like that makes me feel alive. That makes me um, sometimes, you know, have like these weird out of body experiences that like only professional wrestling can give you, you know, um, it's better than any drug that I've ever taken mainly because I've never done any drugs. So, I mean, there's nothing like it. So that's why this stuff is so cool to me, even though it hurts like hell, but pain is only temporary. Well, 
And one of those things that I'm sure hurt like hell. I mean, I know your adrenaline's going in the moment, but like that clothesline AJ hits you with, like towards the end of your match, like that got gift all over the place. Like, oof, that dude hits hard as hell. And and that of course happened in Saudi Daisy High School, which is the same building that we were just talking about. I mean, you talked, you know, years back. You're yeah. alma mater. Um, so let's just kind of cut to it, then we'll kind of kind of go over the place, but. You winning the Southern Underground Pro Bone Storm Championship in your alma mater, your old high school, in front of your friends and family, a company that you, I remember you telling me on a podcast, you know, years ago that you weren't even allowed to do the first sub show that you were invited to because you were too young to actually even get into the building. So now you're the champion of the company and you got to do it in your own, you know, in front of your people. And there's the Bone Storm title, the prestigious Bone Storm Championship, um, so yeah, man, uh, give us your thoughts on that moment because not only not only did you win the title, you beat AJ Gray, who's you know heading into you know GCW Spring Break, you know wrestling Moxley, and and I mean you get this big win in front of your people, man. What kind of what was going through your mind as it all happened? Everything was so hectic at the moment. I I, I genuinely had no clue what to do, like. I pulled that victory out of my ass. Like, that's why I got the hell out because we all know what AJ's capable of. I mean, hell, I felt what he was capable of for like however long the match was. <laughs> so I I didn't know how to feel in that moment. I was genuinely shocked that I was able to put him away because like that's that's a pretty heavy feat. You know, AJ was the Southern Underground Pro Bone Storm champion for so long for a reason and we all know his track record we all know the things that he's done the people he's beat so to be on a list of people that was able to defeat him like it's something like i hold pretty near and dear to my heart because i have a lot of respect for aj and i hope after that match he does for me as well um and i also just respect the legacy of the bone storm championship as well so to be able to hold the title for a promotion that's so near and dear to my heart, being the place, the basement East I, I speak on, where I literally got to meet my wife's family for the first time, where I proposed to my wife, where I learned and I grew as a wrestler, where I made so many like friends and connections. It genuinely meant so much. So it's kind of a bittersweet moment that it wasn't able to happen at the basement East. But obviously the sweet comes from doing it in my hometown, at my alma mater, with my family there. I mean, this is crazy. My dad showed up, and I had no clue my dad was going to be there. My dad's only seen me wrestle three times. So whenever I saw him, and if you go back and watch it on IWTV, uh, whenever I make my entrance, I, I walk over to the left side of the gym, and you see me like kind of point and like startle, and then like walk the other way because I saw my dad, and I was like, "Oh wow!" So, you know, my dad got to see like a really cool moment in my career, as well as like my grandfather, my mom, like my wife, um, friends, and like extended family in Saudi Daisy. So, that's what made the moment so cool, and then, you know, to top it all off, like. Jax Dane presenting me with the belt like that was crazy you know Jax is someone that like we don't really speak on it much but has been uh very much a mentor to me so it genuinely meant the world to me and I don't think that they're at least for now you know 
Uh, I don't think that there's a moment that can top it. I'm sure there will be soon, but for right now, I'm just riding the high. When when did you know you wanted to become a wrestler? Because being back in in high school, I, I you can answer this, but like I would imagine, okay, I, I want to be a wrestler at this point, and now you're in your high school and you're, and you're winning, you're winning the title there. When did it hit you that you want to become a wrestler? Was it high school? Was it before that? It was way before then, actually. So I think the moment I wanted to become a wrestler was actually uh, whenever I was eight years old. So I had uh, I'd been a fan of wrestling, obviously. I think I was like six or seven whenever I got in, like being a fan. And I would always go to the flea market on the weekends. My grandfather would take me and I would go to the wrestling booth. I'd always get like one or two DVDs. That was always the thing. So I ended up getting a Rey Mysterio DVD and I watched his like little, you know, documentary that WWE would do. And then I saw the match of Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero at Halloween Havoc. And it was from that moment on, I went, this is what I want to do. So for years and years and years, then whenever I started going to like indie shows, I was like, how do I get into this? How do I get into this? And then eventually the place I would begin my training at in Ringgold, Georgia was like, all right, you're obviously too young now. And I think I asked at the age of like 10, they were like, but when you turn 14, if you really want to do this, as long as someone signs like, you know, the, the proper forms for legal reasons, uh, I'll train you to be a wrestler. So for those like three years, three or four years, I had to wait. Uh, I was enrolled into breakdance and tumbling. So that was like kind of like what would give me like that little bit of a, like a taste of if I really wanted to do it. And I think it also was like a way for like my family to make sure that like I was serious about it because if I was going to buckle down to something that would like potentially help, then they'd be willing to help however they could. So that's what happened. They obviously realized there was no like letting off the gas pedal. And whenever I turned 14, there it was, you know, I was starting my freshman year of high school and then the rest of its history. Man, you you mentioned just a second ago, uh, it being somewhat bittersweet winning the title only because it didn't happen in the basement East, but it was sweet because it happened at Daisy. But I was actually talking to John Mosley earlier today, who we both know. Um, and, and I actually said the same thing. I was like, man, that would have been really cool for him to win it in the basement East. And like, but at the same time, I was like, pretty much all the same people I feel like that watch SUP are also watching SCI and they're also watching action. So like, so like, I think all the fans who follow stuff saw that win anyways, yeah. if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's not like you're showing back up to the basement East and people are going to be like, wait, Jaden's the champion. Like we're going to know you're the champion by the time you, you know, you show up. So, yeah. um, and, and, and then on top of that, you know, it's it, the last thing you said with you starting at 14 years old, um, I'd have to imagine that's probably inspiring to what, you know, cause how old are you now? Early twenties, right? Yeah. I'm 20, 23 now. So, and now, you know, we see these, these teenagers like, you know, Starboy Charlie and Billy Starks and Marcus Mathers and like these, these younger kids. Like, I remember thinking when I, when I first heard that you had, had started so young thinking like, wow, that's bizarre. Someone starting in wrestling that young, but now we're kind of seeing it a little more often. Like, kinda, how, how do you, now. yeah, yeah. How do you, do you feel like, was there anyone else around your age when when you started that was around your age it's like still doing it or like were you kind of the only you were like the youngest one for like a while right yeah so there was one other person i knew of uh 
and it was something that I was actually training while I was training. Um, I because I had a yard, or I of course I had a yard. I had a ring in my backyard, <laughs> and uh, I had a best friend. Uh, y'all may remember him if y'all followed any southeastern wrestling, but Bailey Blake. Yep, uh, yep. That's been my best friend literally since we were in you know middle school, sixth grade. So, um, I would literally come home. And I would like go to the ring and I'd, I'd hit Bailey up and I'd be like, yo, do you want to like come over and like, let's wrestle. So, because we bonded because of TNA. So he came over and like, I would like teach him stuff. And we ended up going to like our first seminar together, which was super funny because he was technically not in the business, but like I was still training and was kind of in. So we ended up going there and that's where we learned like, you know, basic holds, like in our first spot, we thought it was so cool. So like Bailey was one of like the first ones. And then obviously Kenzie page Henry, uh, but she came along whenever I was about four, four or five years in. Yeah. Being, uh, being in your high school again, I, <laughs> sorry, I feel weird asking this, but here we go. No, you're good. No, <laughs> so when you're in high school and you knew that people are you knew you wanted to be a wrestler did your teachers ever be like you're not gonna do it you're not gonna do it and then when you win the title in the high school do you go back there to your teachers and be like i got this like you know I've, I've it's over i've done this i got this title do you have to do you rub it into your teacher's faces if they told you you can't do this like you're just not gonna be a wrestler and did any teacher actually say that to you so that's actually a really good question. That's not weird at all because Eric Royal uh, asked me a similar question this past Saturday at the Rumble. Um, <laughs> okay. So <laughs> we were sitting there and uh, Eric was like, yo, like this is your alma mater, right? I was like, yeah. He goes, man, that's crazy to be back, ain't it? I said, yeah, it is considering the fact that all my teachers literally told me I would never graduate. <laughs> so, um, and now I'm there like doing a fundraiser for – for the school and raising money for the community for them. So it was kind of a funny flex, I thought. But no, it was um, in a way, yeah. Like it's nice to be able to be like rub it in their face. But like in the same sense, to me, like that's not as important because like the people that did support me, because there were teachers that did support me, like they were there. And that was like super cool to like kind of like show them that like yeah like I wasn't at school a lot. This is why I wasn't at school because um, I was working for a moment like this, and you know that was literally what made it worth it is to potentially like have them come into school on like Monday, you know whenever SCI is like long like long gone and done like the weekends pass everything's calmed down and they're and you know normally on a monday your teacher will ask oh how was everyone's weekend well this is what i got to do i got to watch one of my former students that used to go to school here win a major wrestling championship in this school so that's kind of the cool thing and hopefully like it can like motivate like kids to you know want to chase after what they're going for regardless of like what they're being told in like school. Did they get the day off on Monday? <laughs> Jaden Newman day? I I think they should. I've been yeah. petitioning for it. <laughs> <laughs> on Tuesday. Well, 
Yeah, speaking of teachers, you yourself are now a teacher, Jaden, because you train kids up at TWE. Uh, I hear it all the time now where it's like you're gaining really like a strong reputation as like really training people like the right way. And and I had heard if you want to elaborate on it, you may have gotten some like bad advice yourself kind of early in your career and had to like kind of refocus and reassess over the years yourself but how you can speak to that if you'd like to and also kind of what 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 goes into your own motivation of, of training uh, new wrestlers yourself so that's a really good point you made there you know early on i was given like some really bad advice obviously and you know was maybe trained in a way that wasn't necessarily the norm of like wrestling today um you know, whenever I first started training, like, uh, it was, we would stand in the corner and take chops or like, we would have to take 10 back bumps on concrete before we left. Um, but now, you know, I've taken from where maybe it was a negative and I found a way to like teach positively without like all the, um, maybe like harsh language or even like harsh teaching methods um because i do believe in a sense like you have to instill like respect into people that want to join professional wrestling like they really have to like understand and really like gather what they're getting themselves into but i feel like there's a way to do it in which doesn't make you an asshole so that was why whenever I began training people, which by the way, just kind of happened, like it fell into my lap. Um, whenever the person who was doing training at TWE, like it just walked out and was just done. And I was like, well, like I, here I am. What do I do? Like I kind of had to spring into action. So um, that was probably the best thing that could have happened though for not only them, but for me as well, because it made me like really, go out there and get the knowledge I needed to do. So like, that was what made me like really attend seminars all the time and like read as much about wrestling as I could, whether it be the history or the technique. So that way, like I could instill that into my kids and the people that I've trained. So that way it's done the right way. And the right way is obviously subjective because nothing is right in professional wrestling. But I at least try to duplicate what I think would be the right way. And really the main things that I teach my kids as far as like conducting themselves in the business of professional wrestling is don't be an asshole, be respectful, always be helpful. Um, ears open, mouth shut, especially in those like first, I wouldn't even say, especially in those first like parts of your year, like for most of your career, because like sometimes like just being a fly on the wall and just listening to people and just like, really asking feedback like that's stuff like people like don't really do and it's kind of weird but like i always tell them i was like you will be surprised what you can learn by just asking someone what can i do better because even if they didn't watch your match or if they didn't watch your your promo whatever it may be they're gonna have something and even if it's just one thing what they told you that you picked apart and you took and gathered from it, you learned something. How much does 
being a trainer help you as a wrestler? Because I was, I was listening to Brian Danielson and when he became the trainer of, of all pro, he was very young. Like, like you, you're only, you're only 23. Uh, he was young. He's like, I didn't feel qualified to be a trainer because I was young. But then when you start training people, you have to, under, you have to have a deeper knowledge of it to understand it better. And so that helped me as a wrestler to teach everybody. So how much has it helped you like as a wrestler to teach everybody still being young yourself? Yeah, I mean, just like Brian said, like, it's true. You have to go out there and get um, more more knowledge, more experience. So that way, like, you're not just not going and taking money from someone and, like, talking out your ass for, like, the two-hour, three-hour duration of a training period. It's definitely made me a better wrestler in the form of reps because, you know, repetition is key. Good repetition is key. So to be able to get in there and practice the basics, wrestling 101, which is my specialty, I feel, as a teacher, um, that has been a godsend, a tremendous thing that I'm able to go and do all the time because it keeps me crisp and ready. Um, And it also, like, I think kind of helps my students as well to see that I'm not only just showing them these things, but I'm doing it with them. Like, I feel weird if I'm not doing drills or like if I'm just standing off to the side and like telling them to do it, you know, um, I have to be in there. I'm very much a um, hands-on teacher because like, that's how I would have wanted to be teached. So um, yeah, that's really how it helps me. I feel. Um, Who are some people you'd like to shout out? that you have, uh, you've trained or, or maybe some people that have just started or people that you kind of see floating around, because I know a few off the top of my head, uh, like Cody Manhorn, Aaron Wade. Um, I really like Pete Youngblood a lot. I think he's got a lot yeah. of potential. Um, I've liked a lot of what I've seen of him so far. Um, yeah, no and, and, I, <laughs> and I, I, I know I'm missing plenty of people as well, but is there some people you'd like to kind of give a shout out or maybe elaborate on any of the names that I just brought up? Yeah, absolutely. So, like, Aaron Wade was actually the one I was talking about in the story where the trainer just left and I had to take over. So, obviously, I want to shout out Aaron Wade because the trainer before me literally told me that Wade wouldn't be a wrestler. And I said, I bet five bucks you're wrong. And I turned him into a wrestler, you know. Uh, I don't want to say that. Like, I did it myself. Like, obviously, Aaron Wade put in so much work into it as well. Um, Cody Manhorn, you know, another one. Referee Shiny Shoes is another one as well. You know, I've got – I've trained referees, wrestlers, like uh, the Good Sisters. Those are are two girls that right now I have taken under my wing and I am working on retraining. Uh, And it's been awesome, you know. I have like this plethora of like kids, you know, come to me and seek knowledge and like um, just want to get better. Like, because as long as there's people that want to get better, pro wrestling gets better as a whole. So uh, Pete Youngblood's another one, my little asshole, I call him. <laughs> but um, no, everyone's doing really good and they're just getting better day by day. You know, um, I, they're so respectful except Pete. Uh, they, <laughs> they work their ass off and they deserve all the recognition in the world. And they just, and they just deserve to be everywhere they can possibly be. Carson Dilbeck is another one. Carson works his little ass off. You know, he makes the drives. 
He he hops in cars whenever he can. You know, he's at training every single time we have it. Like, literally, I have such a good batch of kids that like I could brag that that could be the whole podcast. But um, yeah, those are pretty much all the ones I would want to shout out because like they've just been working their ass off and they deserve the recognition. Did you get your five bucks? No, that son of a bitch never paid me. (laughs) (laughs) I carny son of a bitch. Yeah, 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 for real. Um, what are what are some of your your future goals? Whether it be this year, I mean, I know Jensen mentioned winning SCI, but this year or or long term, winning SCI is obviously uh, one of the bigger goals currently. But abroad from things in the Chattanooga area that I would love to do, other than grow the scene as a whole. You know, uh, I would really like to be more up in the Northeast. I would like to go to the West Coast, which I'm set to do sometime in the summer. I'm going to have to do some follow-ups, but I I just want to, you know, do as much as I can on the independence and just really, like, continue to make a name for myself. Uh, I just put in a passport application, so I should be getting my passport back in the next few weeks. So I'm hoping to potentially, you know, break into Canada and do some things. I would love to go to Europe. Honestly, if we're being, like, honest here, um, the UK is one of my biggest goals. Like, I would love to just go over there, whether it be train and or just actually wrestle. Like, that's where I would love to be to, like, really perfect my craft because it's such a unique style that I just have such an appreciation for. Um so to be able to do that like would be massive for me. And then obviously oh, sorry, in this day and age of professional wrestling, um, we have, you know, we have different views on like what it is to be a successful professional wrestler. Some want to make money as an independent wrestler and they can make money, which is amazing. And then there's others that, you know, strive to be on television and get a contract. Uh, For me, you know, I want to do as much as I can on the independence to establish a name and be able to support, like, support my family. And then I would love to get a contract somewhere 100%. So, obviously, for me, the big goal is going to be to get a major contract with a major wrestling promotion at some point. Yeah, and, and also just for people listening, like you, it was the, the pandemic was unfortunate timing for you know for everybody for every reason, of course. But yeah. you were starting to get out there, like Chikara before you know you know that shut down and all that stuff. Like yeah, you know there is you know you were you were starting to get out there, and then like the pandemic put a put a, a halt on some of the stuff that I'm sure you probably had in the works and stuff like that. And I, I love hearing that you want to just be all over the place. But now that you are the Sub Bone Storm champion, and I am very heavily invested as a fan of Sub Raps, okay, who who do you want to defend this title against? Like, who do you have? I, you have a long history with Brett Eisen. I, I have on pretty good authority that like he might step back from the ring again sometime, sometime in the near future, hopefully. So, he's, so I'm hearing, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's you know he might be coming back. I, I hope so. Um, you know, you got a lot of history with him. You got a lot of history with Manders in that company as well. Um. Who, who knows what the hell happened to, to Teddy King, that guy. I mean, you had a whole thing going on with him, and that just became a thing with Manders, but that's still kind of in the books. You have 
so many possibilities with this bone storm championship. Do you have anyone on your radar as like the person you would most like to defend that title against first in the basement East? Honestly, it's hard to say right now. I know that actually one person that I would love would be O'Shea Edwards. Yeah. I love that because I feel like O'Shea is someone that was such like a big part in the growth of SUP. And it sometimes I feel doesn't go mentioned. So I'd love to be able to, and I, I'm pretty sure he did have a chance at the bone storm championship, but I would love to give him another one, one because I have so much respect for him and two, because he freaking deserves it. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world, bar none. And he's just so beloved in Nashville. Now, Results would vary, obviously. We'd have to see what happened when the bell rang, but um, I know that that's someone that definitely deserves the championship opportunity. So really, all I can say is no matter who I defend against whenever we come back on April 17th, you know, I just hope to God it's somebody that has worked and fought just as hard as I have to get here. Because I, that's what I want. I love the idea of O'Shea. That's a really good shout out there. When when many men hits on the on the the speakers on uh in the basement east, like the fan, the mood changes. Like, and you're right, him and him and Brett as a tag team and as a feud that that meant a lot to like just kind of the foundation, in my opinion, of that company. So I love the idea of you and O'Shea. Um, and yeah, April 17th the sub wraps will return. What other shows are coming up that you want to plug Jaden? Cause there's a lot. Of, I know you're, you're wrestling tank on Friday, right? Yeah. I'm going to be making my ICW no holds barred <laughs> debut in the pit <sighs> fighter. Again, oh, in oh, what's being dubbed the battle of Chattanooga. So it's going to be my first time stepping foot into the pit fighter itself. And it's also going to be my first time stepping foot into a death match. So very intrigued to see how that goes. I don't know what to expect but the unexpected. I know can you, that can you prepare for something like that. You know, it's hard to say, like I could sit there and do all the drills. I could go to the gym, do as many reps on whatever I'm doing that day, but I don't think it's going to compare to what like is going to be done in that pit. You know, that's just violence personified once that happens and it's, it's survival of the fittest. So, um, think that's the game plan going into it you know there's no way to really prepare other than just doing so but as we know like Jaden newman's career has been very much of uh, a story of survival so hopefully hopefully fingers crossed god willing uh i'm able to survive and pull and pull out the victory and you know shock some more people but as far as like what I have coming up, you know, other than ICW, um, the week after that, I will be making my pro wrestling grind debut in Massachusetts against Matt Mikowski. Uh, and then I'll be flying right back to Tennessee and doing a show in the middle of uh, La Follette, Tennessee, if you've ever heard of it. If not, it makes sense. Um, <laughs> and then after that, I'll be finishing the month strong with TWE where I'll be facing brutal Bob Evans in a 60 minute Ironman match. And I believe we're going to be donating the money from that to charity. Awesome. Very nice. 
Very nice. Yeah, um, that's a, a little bit of March Madness for you. <laughs> what 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 does it mean? What does it mean for you? Just real quick, not only entering the deathmatch scene, but like it being against Tank, because Tank, for people who may not know, somehow like Tank is an absolute legend in your area. So like you know, a guy who I'm sure you grew up watching before you were a wrestler yourself. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's funny. I used to watch Tank at my middle school whenever I was like still there. And uh, I remember we'd always get like these pep rally shows. And before the pep rally shows, they would have some of the wrestlers come into the lunchroom while we were eating lunch. And they would like be sitting up there around or like going around to the tables. And I remember walking up to uh, Tank with Bailey Blake because, you know, we went to the same middle school. And I told Tank, I was like, one day I'm going to be a wrestler. And he said, yeah, all right, kid. <laughs> so, you know, it's pretty funny to think that, like, then fast forward, like, however many years later, we're stepping foot into uh, what is going to be a complete car wreck in the most uh, respectful way, I say. Um, because you never know what's going to happen in a death match. And you know, there's so much behind this match with it being the fact of it, the old guard of Chattanooga versus the new guard of Chattanooga, the past versus the present and the future in which I've helped mold. You know, it's a generational divide and one generation is going to come up on top. Nothing like this has been done to my knowledge in the area. So it's super exciting to know that we get to be a part of something so historic. My my last one for you. We we talked a we talked a little bit off air and we mentioned our interview with, with Cole Radrick last week about independent uh cribs almost. Yeah. What is what is the coolest thing in the room that you were in right now? The coolest thing in the room yeah. that coolest I thing have that you have in the room. Man, let me look around. All right. Other than this title that's right beside me. True. Let's see here. I'll be right back. I do have some. <laughs> there you go. We're getting the uh, the Cribs exclusive. This, yeah, this is this is our, our new segment. Any, anybody that comes on, we're like, what's the coolest thing in a room? And then, we got- you know, hopefully we, we learn a little bit more about the person and, and see cool shit that they want to display. Got to have AC, AC Mac on again to, to have him show us something cool because we, we we started the segment after uh, we already <laughs> had him on. It's an evolving interview process. Yes. Uh, Steven Jensen. Yes, so, absolutely. You know, try, to, try to learn learn a little bit about everyone beyond what they, they do in wrestling. Here we go. So the coolest thing that I have in the room, uh, I, have a, I have a shrine to professional wrestling like right in the corner because my wife let me get away with it. And... <laughs> On top of it uh, is like just a bunch of different wrestling pops and old figures and posters and like just like different mementos of things I've done. Um, but there's two things on there that I have that are like super cool to me and they mean a lot. Uh, one in which is a custom wrestling figure that a fan made for me and gave to me at a show. Um and like it was just really cool. Like it was given to me by like a little, I think it was like five or six. Like kid made it for me and gave it to me. And I thought it was like super cool. They like took the time to like do what he did to like make it customized for me. So that's always super sick to look at. Awesome. It gives me a reason to smile. And then another thing I have is this like really sick Chris Hero action figure 
because Chris Hero is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, if not my number one favorite wrestler of all time. So um, it's super cool to like see that figure up there because it kind of gives me motivation to be as good as him one day, hopefully one day. Who knows? But I know I am trying. Chris Hero did, did the SCI like the first year, didn't he? He did, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, so he wrestled Kyle Matthews on night one. Yes. Um, but it was so cool. So I got to do a seminar in Charlotte, North Carolina about a few weeks ago. And I actually got to talk to him about that match and um, just really got to pick his brain about so many things that I wanted to ask him for years. So that was like a super cool moment. And then like, because I was the only one of the seminar that like drove so far, like I think it was like five, that was like six, seven hour drive to Charlotte for me. Um, I drove back through the night and uh you know, I put like an ob I say obligatory, but like I put like an obligatory tweet saying like, you know, I went to the Chris Hero seminar, I learned so much, I got to meet my hero, whatever, yada yada yada. Um, it was super meaningful, I promise. But like I'm paraphrasing right now. And then like he responded and was like, Glad you made it home safe. Keep up the good work. You got this. And it meant so much to me. I could have framed that tweet. Like, um, nothing was as cool as that whenever like he responded so no he uh he's legit one of the greatest of all time and i hope to one day be half as good as him one of, one of the nicest dudes from by by all accounts as well so that that was my question have you talked to hero and you know spoke with him but that's awesome that you did the seminar with him and you responded to the tweet that's great yeah, that's awesome. Last one I got for you, Jaden. I asked this to everybody. It's the most generic wrestling question ever, but I'm like genuinely interested to to know this about every wrestler I talk to. Okay. I know you mentioned that uh, Mysterio and Guerrero Halloween Havoc like really got you hooked as like a wrestling fan at a young age. Yeah. What What would you consider to be your favorite match of all time? Like as a fan, is it that match, or do you have another match at this point that's like your favorite match of all time as a fan? Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 25. That's a good answer. That's a, that's a common answer, but it's a good answer. That's a really good answer. That's, that's one of mine as well for what it's I, worth. I figured it was a common one. I, <laughs> Dylan Hells gives me shit all the time for it because you know, he hates both of them. So. You made <laughs> an entire interview here without talking about Dylan Hales also. Shout out to Dylan Hales. That dude yeah, shout so out much. to Dylan Hales, you piece of shit. Who hates <laughs> um, <laughs> but no um, – yeah, that's definitely like one of my favorite matches of all time. Um, the meaning of it is super cool, especially like whenever we get into the second match for WrestleMania 26 and how long the build was and how good it was. And oh, God, like uh, that, that hype package was just so good. Like literally, you can't get any better than Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. See, I'm a believer that 26 is better than 25. That's a different podcast, but I, that's my belief that 26 <laughs> yeah. is better than 25. I, I'll, I'll say 25 over 26, but I feel like you can go wrong either way. Like two, they almost call they complement one another. It's yeah. almost like yes. one really big match. Like yes, 100% agree with that. Uh, Jaden, let the people know where where they can find you at. Awesome. So if you're on here, you found me on here, so that's good. Now I'm going to redirect you to some other places. You can find me on Twitter at Jaden for Real. That's J-A-D-E-N number four real. 
You can find me on Instagram at Jaden1Newman, J-A-D-E-N number one Newman. No, I'm not a female basketball player, but I am a professional <laughs> player. So let's clear the air already in case you get I, Yes, I, when I Googled this, that, that was the first thing that, that popped up. It's like, Always oh, is. Always I guess is. I got to put wrestler in there to, to make sure every, everything is good. I've got to yeah. spell Jaden with an X now or something. <laughs> I don't know. So, <laughs> but you can find me on Twitter, Instagram at those handles. I'm on TikTok as well. I don't post a lot on there, but my wife's trying to get me to uh, say, hey, honey, say hello. Hi. So um, you can Hi. find me on TikTok sometimes, uh, but you can more prevalently find me on Twitter and Instagram. As far as merch, you can go to Pro Wrestling Tees uh, backslash Jaden Newman. And then I also am on T Public. So be sure to check out those for merch if you want to follow me on social media. If you feel it deep down in your heart to do so, please hit the follow button on those social media links that I've given you or handles, not links, because you can't click this. But um, that's where you can find me. And hopefully, you find me well. Jen, we really appreciate you uh, taking the time out tonight uh, to, to talk with us. It, w- it was great. Follow Jaden on, on Twitter. You can follow Matt Jaden for real. Every other platform that he mentioned. Yes, if you Google, Google Jaden Newman wrestler, you will Please. get a, a basketball, a female basketball player if you just Google Jaden Newman. Uh, again, congratulations on winning, winning the Bone Storm title. Again, thank you for joining us. Guys, we'll be right back here on the. All right, guys, um, we're going to wrap the show up here. Thanks for joining us. Jeremy had to go pick the kids up from school. So I'm going to wrap the show up here by myself. Y'all can uh, follow me on Instagram or sorry, follow me on Twitter at fight talk underscore. If you're into Twitch and video games later tonight, myself and Joel Pearl, 7 p.m. Eastern, we'll be playing Mario Kart. If you have a Nintendo Switch, come join us. It'll be a lot of fun. We always do uh, tournaments. We play from <coughs> usually about 7 Eastern until about 8.30 p.m. Eastern. So that's twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. You got the Fightful Select Weekender. If you want to listen to that this Sunday, fightfulselect.com. If you enjoyed this interview and, and enjoy the spotlight in general, the uh, the Weekender is a good show for you because I talk about the world of independent wrestling uh, every weekend. So got a lot of stuff to talk about. I'll have a lot of stuff from GCW because I'll be at the show this Saturday. Um, GCW Astronaut. There, did you already get the kids? Yeah, I got him off the bus, uh, the EP's oh, home and everything. So I was just going to say hi. I can say hi and bye. <laughs> yeah, perfect. So I, I was just wrapping it up. Go to, uh, watch us on Twitch tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern. And uh, Degrassi Dudes, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., me and SP3, we're talking the Emma Nelson and Sean Cameron relationship. So that's going to be fun tomorrow morning. Um, so, yeah, um, that's everything I had. I was literally just about to hit the button. So <laughs> if there's anything else you got, Jeremy, we can get on out of here. Uh, head over to Fightful Overbooked. We've got Day After Dynamite right now with uh, Will Washington, who got a shout-out from uh, Swerve on an on interview that I listened to. All the guys at Grab City. That's Saturdays at noon right here on Fightful. But head over to Fightful Overbooked. Will Washington, Sherry Delaware over there. Uh, FMC with myself, and SP3, 8.30 tomorrow. And, yeah, I think that's it. I appreciate, appreciate you guys. Appreciate all the love. Appreciate all the support. Jensen, thank you as always. Guys, we'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>